The world has gone insane. Cosplayers rule the conventions. Gamers dominate the tabletop and the internet. Sci-fi subjugates the movies and fantasy rules the bookstore with an iron fist. Only one group can bring order to this unruly mob. A team of uber geeks, masters of the nerdly arts, trained for decades in the hobby shops and basements of the nation. Mobilized by the secret masters, they are the Department of Nerdly Affairs. Hello, operatives, and welcome to the Department of Nerdly Affairs. I'm your host, Rob Patterson, here with my co-host, Don Chisholm. I'm not drunk. For once. And tonight we're going to be talking about an uplifting subject that's going to involve lots of swearing and lots of dark humor. And that topic is death. Death and the nerdly arts. So in order to keep us ourselves from slitting our wrists, we brought in one of the happiest individuals we know, Jack Ward. Welcome to the show, Jack. Why, thank you for having me yet again. I'm so glad to be called happy in this joyous time of the year. Well, it is a joyous time of the year. So, unfortunately, um, this topic was inspired by the fact that we lost a um, nerdly icon this week. Uh, Carrie Fisher, Princess Leia, passed away t- earlier today. And yeah. our, the day we're recording. And um, I thought that uh, we, I would take this opportunity not just to talk about, of course, Carrie Fisher's passing, but to talk about how the nerdly arts deal with death, how death affects the, the way we look at the nerdly arts, and the nerdly art community as well. How are geeks and nerds affected by death? Uh, besides the obvious, of course. So, based on mm-hmm. that... Um, so, Don, were you aware that yeah. Carrie Fisher passed away? Yeah, I was, actually. I just saw that uh, on the news a couple hours ago. Okay. Um, do you have any particular memories or thoughts that are connected with her? Um, Mostly, like, through Star Wars, although I have to say, uh, when she they put her on Family Guy, she was pretty funny there. Oh, yeah, I definitely believe that. Um, she, def- mm. she had a great wit, and she had a great style. Yeah. Um, in yep. fact, I've even read that apparently she was a sought-after strip doctor in Hollywood. That's one of the ways she's been supporting herself all these yeah. years, is that she's actually been polishing other people's scripts and making them more witty and entertaining and interesting. Hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And um, so she that was, she was a woman with style and panache, and um, yeah, um, I think that uh, it's not surprising that there's been such a great um, outpouring of emotions since her passing. Um, right. How about you, Jack? Uh, well, yeah, there's there's a lot of connections for me for Carrie Fisher because she also was married to and had a 10-year romance with one of my favorite musicians of all time and singer-songwriter Paul Simon. Oh, right. Yes, yeah, she so, did, didn't she? Yeah, so she was married to Paul Simon, so I'm a big fan of that. But uh, she also, I mean, she her, her book... Um, Postcards from the Edge mm-hmm. became a, a you know a big movie as well, right? So that was a big one that people uh, remember. But she also wrote a couple of other things too. And, and I'm just listening. I th- we told before I was telling you before the the show that I'm just mm-hmm. listening to the Princess Diarist, and uh, that's that's a fascinating book from the outset where the very first thing is she's talking about 1976 and all the great change that happens politically and all the deaths of celebrity people that happens she says like every year 
And I mm-hmm. thought, well, it was almost chilling the way she ended that after just finding out that she passed yeah, away. That's, but, that, that would cause but, something. But for me, I mean, beyond the fact, like, I, I love the fact that she's well-known as a script doctor and, and, and as a writer. I really appreciate that. But for me, personally, I was trying to think, maybe other than Samantha from Bewitched, she was probably, and, and Wonder Woman, uh, Linda Carter. Of course. They, she's probably, like, one of my first sort of big crushes when I in my, in my young uh, life uh, that was strong women. Mm-hmm. And I, I always have appreciated strong women. So here's Princess Leia up in against like a, an entirely male cast, and she's no wilting violet. She's holding her own, even on screen, just her presence with people like Harrison Ford and Sir Alec Guinness. She's, she, she's not fading into the background hmm. whatsoever. And a lot of <clears> people <throat> complain that you know there should have been more women. I don't think they could have had the screen presence that she had. She would have made them fade. Mm, yeah, that's you know. a good point. Yeah, that's a very good point. Um, I mean, I myself was never a big Princess Leia fan. I mean, I, I didn't have anything against her. I mean, just that she was there, and I appreciated that she was there. I appreciated her as a character. But it wasn't um, a character that I, you know, resonated with, I guess you could say. At least not consciously, mm-hmm. anyway. I mean, but I guess it probably, since I saw it at a young age, it did make me appreciate, you know, us, as I said, a strong female character. And uh, how strong care female character is part of the team, especially since the rest of the media mm-hmm. at that point wasn't exactly filled with strong female characters beyond, as you said, maybe Wonder Woman and uh, Samantha from Bewitched. Mm. So how old were you when, when you saw Star Wars in the theaters? You'd have to go back to our episode on Star Wars memories that we did about <laughs> a year ago. But uh, I believe the answer would be seven, I think I was, because I saw it about... Mm-hmm. A good couple months after it had come out and yeah. I remember I saw it during the winter and it had come out in the summer so that'll give you some idea and right but it was in theaters like a year so that's hardly a surprise yeah and I think I heard what about you Don oh sorry oh sorry didn't interrupt go ahead no I, I think I'd heard some kids talk about it at school or something like that so I convinced sure. my parents to let me take us to see it and um no i did i didn't regret it i think my parents did it first but i definitely didn't <laughs> how old were you don oh i was six like See, I... this is the difference i think i i was the proper age to find her uh, to make her sort of a big crush i was 11 okay mm, yeah so that's like you know prepubescent right that's that whole thing and so here is this you know love interest from like the hero luke skywalker originally mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> later on his sister um which just had all kinds of awkward feelings after you find that one it's out very so, um, <laughs> yeah very much so but still it was just like that's the perfect age right because that's the age of adventure right that whole yeah. 11 12 kind of time mm. so and the hormones kick in yep yep yeah absolutely and because that's go down sorry oh i was uh just gonna gonna say it's interesting we talk about princess leia because as a kid i could empathize not because of any kind of like romantic feelings but i too at that age felt that i was surrounded by idiots and could really put myself in her position during the film (laughs) (laughs) that's true yeah this this is but she also plays a role that um 
that Han Solo plays that was desperately needed in the prequels that people talk about. And that's sort of like the cynic or the realist. Mm, yeah. You know, so because if you don't have that character in the story, then all of these things, you know, these magical things like the Jedi's, you don't have that opportunity to wink at the audience going, yeah, we know this sounds crazy. Just go with it. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? That's that's the benefit of having Han Solo sit there and go, yeah, you know, I'm getting waving your magic wands and stuff like that don't beat a blaster kid or whatever the exact phrase stuff like that um but and 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 she had that same kind of role of like this gritty determined i understand you know what needs to be done to get the job done yeah um but Mm. still you know she still had faith in 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 the force but she she really you know stuck to her guns when it came to you know this is you know i i am a trained you know, bureaucrat, mm-hmm. and I know I'm, I'm a senator or a daughter of a senator, and I know how this stuff works. Kind Actually, of. Yeah. she was a senator. Well, she was the only one of the heroes in in the original movie that had any direction. Yeah, I mean, she was she she knew where she was going. She knew what she was doing. She knew exactly mm-hmm. what her role was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the rest of them were kind of like Han Solo's, like payday. Luke was like, eh, we have to over here and do hero stuff uh, okay she was and that's <laughs> and that was why i always felt she was so like uh came across some people might say as uppity but because she knew there was a timeline she had a definite goal they had to achieve this and she's being like heroed around by this group of people that seem like total morons were flying by the seat of their pants aren't you a little short to be a stormtrooper yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> although did you see the family guy take on that I, I saw the the Blue Harvest series. Yes. Yeah. Fine. Stay here and rot, you uppity bitch. And he leaves. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Now, before I, I know we want to talk about other other deaths and stuff like that, but I was thinking um, that because I was thinking about this when Rob talked to me earlier today through email. What is the first death that really struck me hard as a geek and nerd? Mm-hmm. Do, do you you know what that was for me? No, I don't know what it is for you. The earliest one, uh, you know, Gene Roddenberry was huge, but mm-hmm. before Gene Roddenberry, it was Jim Henson. Okay. When Jim Henson died, and he died like May twenty ninth, nineteen ninety, it was shock, like huh. utter shock, stunned. You tell people, and they would be silent for a while. It was mm-hmm. like you killed their childhood. Right. Because people knew him not just from the Muppet Show, but from Sesame Street for crying out loud. And everybody of our age watched Sesame Street, mm, right? Yeah. Everybody knew who the Muppets were. And the fact that he was dead, you just couldn't believe it. You were just shocked. It was like, no, he's he's too young. He can't. Hmm. That's impossible, right? And it was pneumonia. And then there was all sorts of questions about... Well, did he have AIDS? Because that was the big time of AIDS, right? So yeah. that was a, that was a side effect of that, which it wasn't. It was actually a bacterial infection that just killed him yep. like that. But um, that to me was the very first one that just like took my breath away as a geeker nerd. Huh. I could see that. Um, yeah. Did did that not hit you guys the same way? I had a friend of mine call me when Gene Roddenberry died, sobbing. And I couldn't understand what she was saying, and I was a little freaked out because she, you know, she called um, later on, like six years later, the same kind of sobbing, but it was like our best friend who died, and right. she was the first one who right. told me about that. 
but it was the same kind of sobbing and crying. I'm like, oh my god, is William Shatner dead or something? Like, she, like it was so. She was so upset mm. when Gene mm-hmm. Roddenberry died, and I was the one who was consoling her. And then I had to sort of deal with it. Like, wow, that's incredible. Mm. And you know, he died of a you know swift heart attack. I think at the time, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. Con- yeah. Congested heart failure. Yeah. That was October twenty fourth, nineteen ninety one. I have mm. notes here. There you go. So, so those were the two big ones that I think when, when you're a geek and nerd of a certain age, mm-hmm. Star Wars and Star Trek are pillars in North American culture. That's true. Yeah. And maybe not for you guys so much because you had like so many different influences through, you know, Asian stuff that you have been and comics and stuff like that. But for me, this little guy you know, living out in the country who didn't, who didn't live anywhere in the city. I got my comic spot, you know, <laughs> very, 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 very seldomly. Um, it, I grew up on Star Trek and Star Wars. Mm. Right. Oh yeah. No, I did too, pretty much. I mean, I was, I was a city kid, but I still grew up on Star Trek and Star Wars. I mean, that was our age. Right. Um, yeah. but I don't remember, you know, honestly, I don't, I do remember Jim Henson's death, but it didn't like, you know, it didn't, tear me apart um i remember roddenberry's death but again it was kind of like a little bit distant i guess maybe i was just a little more practical as a kid it's just like okay i you know i didn't know these people and i think it probably is the age difference like even though i grew up watching star trek and everything like that it's not that i immediately associated star trek with roddenberry at least when i was younger anyway and of course by the time roddenberry died i was what in my teens it would have been my mid-teens by that point so I was aware of him, and I was aware of he died, and it's like, well, it sucks. But it wasn't, you know, it didn't affect me maybe as personally as it sounds like it did you. Um, same mm-hmm. with Jim Henson, really. I like. I'm trying to think. Right. I'm not sure whose death, what celebrity. I know what's my very first celebrity death that I remember as a kid, and that would be Elvis Presley. Which to this yeah, day okay. I have no idea why, because I never cared about Elvis Presley's music. I never cared about Elvis. <laughs> But just right. the you know what it was. I think it was the the way the news because I can remember exactly where I was and what I was doing and what was happening at that moment when the newscaster came on. But I think it was just the gravitas that the newscaster said meant told about Elvis's death that just I think it made an impression on me as a kid, like that I could tell yeah. that this mm. was something like super important and significant, and so. I got that with John Lennon. I was on the bus mm. coming home with John Lennon. I remember that. I don't remember Elvis. Mm. This is an interesting. So, how about you, Don? That's cool. Is there a, is there a celebrity death that you remember? What's your one of your first ones that you remember? There, there, there kind of is because I think I think Rob's right about the Elvis thing because I remember it too, but I remember because it was everywhere and that's what everybody talked about. Mm. Um. My take on death is always a little different for most people, and I think it's because I grew up in an older family. Mm-hmm. Mm. So I had very close relatives to me die when I was very, very young, so I sort of came to terms with that early. Right, yeah. Um, but the first death, and you guys are probably going to laugh, um, that I remember that really affected me was when I, I must have been like two, mm-hmm. two or three, and I've mentioned this before, mm-hmm. and it was when I saw the first Godzilla movie. Right. And they kill Godzilla at the end, and I was wrecked. I remember, like, I couldn't sleep or eat for, like, a week. Because they killed Godzilla. And that was the first movie where he was the villain. Right, yeah. Oh. 
so 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 make of that what you will but yeah that that really kind of that's the one that messed me up when i was a little little kid well if we're talking fictional little kid that i mean bambi you know bambi messed me up mm. when i was a kid i can still yeah. remember that yeah for sure <laughs> yep. we, old yeller yeah oh yeah old yeller but i remember but i especially remember bambi because we saw it like a drive-in and i'm pretty sure it was like a 40 minute ride home and i think i cried the whole way home <laughs> <laughs> um, like I can't, the rest of the movie is pretty much just a blur. It's just like, oh my god, baby's mother died. That's right. And That's right. Also, King Kong. King Kong. When the first time I saw it, I cried when Kong died. So there's your there's your monster mm-hmm. death. I don't think I cried the first time Godzilla died, though. Uh, I don't think I right. did. Uh, when when I saw him die, I don't think so. At least not. It didn't make enough impression. But Kong, yeah. I hell, I even cried when Kong died in the crappy remake. You know, the the giant Robo Kong died. Right. Uh, okay, the, I was gonna say the, which crappy remake? The seventies crappy remake. The, <laughs> okay, the seventies. Sorry, the seventies crappy remake. Not the, which seventies crappy oh, remake? Oh, oh my god, he's got you there. Right? Oh, there you go. The one with oh <laughs> Jessica Lange, wasn't it? Oh, the De Laurentiis oh, one. Yeah, De Laurentiis one. Oh, yeah, there we god. go. Yes. Yeah. Oh, no, I did not cry at the end of Ape or. Um, <laughs> I cried at the beginning, the middle. Or my speaking <laughs> yeah. man, you know. Oh, did not cry during those, no. Um, <laughs> would have cried, but for other reasons. Yeah, 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 you often cry in De Laurentiis movies, just for other reasons. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's exactly Oh, man. Sure. We don't have enough of those. Whatever happened to that guy? <clears throat> he died. He died. Probably. Yeah. I, I that's the short version. He died. Um, yeah. the short version. Yeah. yeah. Jeez. So, actually, you know, it's interesting, though, and here's something I want your thoughts on. So, going back to the whole uh, Carrie Fisher death, someone um, I, someone read something or wrote – someone wrote something that I found interesting online where they said the idea that that Carrie Fisher's death – well, here, people have been going crazy about – sorry, Carrie Fisher's death and the, all the other, you know – you know, fuck 2016 deaths, basically, you know, that's become yeah, yes, like, fuck 2016, because, you know, we've lost um, so many other people, like David Bowie, for example, and we just lost George Michael, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, many other right. people, and someone was commenting on, well, Alan Rickman, oh, yeah, sorry, Alan Gary Rickman. Shandling, yep. Gene Wilder, mm-hmm. yeah. Florence Henderson, Robert Vaughn, the man from Uncle, oh, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. there's a lot, yep. George S. Irving, which a lot of people don't know who he is, but he was the, he was the, the heat uh, miser from like the the day mm. there was no Santa Claus or the year this was the year there was no Santa Claus. It's an animated yes, yeah. show. Yeah, there was yeah. a ton of those things. Actually, no, you're forgetting and then, of the course, most, Sorry, you're forgetting the most important role he had. He was the narrator in Underdog. He's the voice you hear in Underdog. Ah. That's right. That's right. He was mm. the narrator in Underdog. And then, of course, Ron Glass, which you know really upset me because I'm a big Firefly fan right, too. Yeah. So yeah. he played Shepard Book. Yep, yep. So yeah, there was there's a ton of people that died. You're right. Yep. Mm-hmm. But just to finish the thought that I read that I'm stealing from some guy on Facebook um, was the idea <laughs> that um, that actually the reason why it seems like so many people have died is it's because we're we just hit Uh-oh. the point oh. where our generation, where it's our generation's uh, celebrities that are dying. Like it's the, it's the baby boomer yeah. celebrities that are dying. Also, they're the ones that came into television right during the seventies and eighties. So even there's some kind of residual memory from reruns of the current mm-hmm. generation. Yep. The millennials kind of know who these people are. In some cases, they know very well who they are. Um, mm-hmm. And so it's really uh, like the same number of people are dying that pretty much die every year. The same number of celebrities are dying, that, but they're ones that affected us. And so suddenly, yeah, yeah. that's why it's like, oh my god, fuck 2016. 
Um, because no, I think so, I think there's other reasons for that too. But well, there are other reasons for that too. <laughs> but we're not going to talk about the Donald. Um, the but yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, so so yeah. Anyway, that that really, it's actually just it's a cultural um, distortion. Basically, it's warping our perception of really mm. how how deadly this year has actually been in terms of celebrities and such. Also, remember that the celebrities of our generation are just reaching that point where they're naturally starting to pass away. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But and the thing is, is that a lot of people don't realize, too, though, is we're really like our generation, really, the the, the generation Xers are the first like generation of, that, that created sort of the cult of geek celebrity mm, right and so i mean and so that's that's where like most of our money's gone there's lots of people that were like you know um that love you know errol flint mm-hmm. and stuff like that you know they watched them in movies and stuff like that but they didn't have the kind of devotion that people would have for a carrie fisher mm. or you know or or for ron glass or or, or people like that because they there they, people would dress up and and cosplay in mm-hmm. these characters and feel connected to them as as somebody that they loved oftentimes because they were brought up by these people because we were lived in the television generation that's where, true tv you know, was our babysitter just, just, yeah Exactly. Just put these kids in front of the TV. And so this is this is why people have such vibrant memories of these things is because it wasn't, you know, it's not like the kids like my dad. He remembers um, the West Side Gang. Right. You know, mm-hmm. Which was a, 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 a series of, you know, guys like that. And he would remember it fondly, but he wouldn't sit there and remember like, oh, yeah, I, I, I was most connected to this character. And I watched episode four, you know, four point two seven. And I know all the dialogue of every West. They never did stuff like that. Mm. Right. True. This was something that that we really we really created because we spent so much time in media. Mm-hmm. And every other generation has <clears throat> afterwards. Now, I be, and you guys can continue on this, but I was also saying, and I was talking to Melinda Snodgrass, who uh, on I have her on Facebook, and she's famous for as a writer, mm-hmm. and she wrote the um, the episode where Data uh, they, is on trial for whether or not he's a toaster. Yeah, or not. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, measure and of a man. so that's what one of the things I read. Yeah, measure of a man. Thank you. <laughs> and um, she's like just wrecked from this as well. And I said to her, you know, because we're both the same age too, and I said. I don't think like I think our generation and right up until the millennial generation really gets it because we grew up with this stuff. Mm-hmm. Whereas millennials look at Star Wars and they go, "Yeah, it's that's a fun kind of story, but man, we've seen all that stuff before." Right. You know? Like now my kids they appreciate it more, but that's because they have me as you know that. But I know a lot of kids who never even watched Star Wars, right? In 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 my high school class, it was like, or they watched the new ones. Why mm. would they bother watching the old ones? The new ones have better special effects, as far as they're concerned. Mm-hmm. But you have to understand is like, oh my God, Star Wars completely rewrote the book on special effects. You will, I will never have another experience. I will have like. Luke, I am your father. Mm. Right. In, te- in in movies. That was an explosive moment in movie history that I, you know, I will never get back in any other movie franchise that I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. So, there's just too much invested in our generation and all the way up and like I said until we get to the millennials and we're just consuming so much more mass media than than ever had been consumed before. Hmm. In my I, opinion. I I think you're technically right i would go back and say our parents were the first ones mm-hmm. 
Because I'd put that with the idea, like, when Elvis died and we were kids, we were like, I don't know, he was that, like, guy in the jumpsuit. But that was the same kind of thing you're seeing now that that just, like, wrecked a nation when Elvis died. To the point that there are still people that say, oh, he's not really dead. He's in a secret bunker somewhere. Right. My favorite is there's a there's a, a bar, I think it's in Kingston or Oshawa, uh-huh. that claims they have a phone that he calls every once in a while. <laughs> Really? And so like once a month, he'll yeah, – yeah, yeah, it's it was awesome. I heard it on CBC a while ago. And you're right, Don, but I think that's with music. I don't think that's with like the, the, the same kind of geek – we're talking about – I'm talking about geek celebratory stuff. Yeah. I think you're right with, you know, the Beatles and stuff like that mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Frankie Valli and the whole bit. And that was because of music, right? Like you could you could buy your own – media of the music and share it and listen to it on the radio in the same way that we do sharing now with movies right Right. on demand almost in that same way i i don't think that happened until our generation but maybe you're right they were the forerunners in that yeah because the the guys that really took off like the the acts that became a big thing like for instance elvis it started as music because again we talked about this how kind of rock and roll was what led directly to teenagers Mm -hmm. but like Elvis was everywhere. He was movies. He was merchandise. Same thing. The Beatles were everywhere. They were TV. They were books. They were, there were comics. There were cartoons. And I think that's where, um, because that was where you had the first chance, I think maybe technologically or business wise that you could really blitz the audience with something. Cause I think you saw it before, like say pre-World War II. Mm-hmm. But it would work different, and that would be why, like, say, for our grandparents and their parents, you'd get something similar, because you'd have, like, say, the Rockefellers. Everybody kept up the Rockefellers. And Ford wasn't just a business guy. He was, like, a, a, a social figure. People kept up on it. But you didn't have the technology to just completely plaster your audience with these people. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's the ideas there. But you couldn't get the kind of frenzy we get nowadays because you just didn't have the hardware to do it. And then that sort of got developed with our parents. It got refined with us. And then I would say for like in the 90s, like when you started getting the millennials, that's where it was kind of perfected. And that's where you get what we got today where basically everything is gray paste because there isn't anything really new being added to the mix. What mix are you referring to exactly, specifically? Well, like uh, like we've talked before, say, uh, like all of entertainment. Right, okay. Okay, to entertainment in general. Um, okay. Yeah, and... I'm, I'm thinking, but how does that relate to the, like, the whole celebrity culture thing? I mean, because some of that, some of what I think is affecting us also is where we live in a time of, yeah, the cult of celebrity is, is paramount, yeah. especially on the internet. And so every celebrity death now, speaking of the warping effect, now is like the most tragic thing in the history of mankind ever, at least until the next one. And yeah, but- it will be played up to death, partly because it makes it draws clicks and makes money for many, many people. Yeah, but you had yep. you you had that really kind of starting back in the twenties. Like yeah, the twenties. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And and that's where I say because and it wasn't just that it was it was that um, people wanted to get involved in every aspect of the celebrities' lives and that's where he had like the celebrity scandal start with like Fatty Arbuckle and Clara Bow and and that mm-hmm. kind of thing. That's true. Hmm. Okay, 
So celebrity culture has been with us all along, but but the technology is allowed for a magnification of it. Yeah. Okay. That would make sense. I would agree with that. Um, and, of course, naturally, the, their deaths are also magnified. Well, yeah, because, too, that's the uh, the final passing of the guard. Like, that's mm-hmm. um, the old ways for us literally dying, and then in another five years, we'll just be sitting around going, Yeah, everything today sucks, and our day was better, and you kids are horrible. Right. What do you mean five years from now? <laughs> 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 I tease, I tease. No, I think you're right, but I, I, I still cling to the idea that, you know, because we are the people that they sold toys to, uh-huh. that we were the ones that had posters with, that we had role-playing games based on these characters, that we had novels and books based on on the extended stories of these mm-hmm. kind of stuff i think i think we i think when it comes to geek and nerd stuff like mm-hmm. yes celebrity culture has been around for a long time i mean you can go back to celebrity culture in greek times and roman yeah. times True. where they have you know posters of famous you know uh, uh wrestlers and and olympians and right. and they had people and and people in in uh, in gladiators mm-hmm. Uh, that that's all been around. That's true, but there is a real different animal when you bring people up and they're steeped in this, where they're going yeah. to bed on Star Wars sheets and they're waking up and putting on their <laughs> Star Wars T-shirt, and you know they they do nothing but talk about the next Star Wars movie that's mm-hmm. coming on and and stuff like that. It's 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 an entirely different animal when we become that much. Then we're then they become family. You know, they're yeah. they're, they're, they're it, a part of our lives, family. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah, they're literally a part which, of our which, lives. Which, you know, mm. you you got that with kid, girls screaming about the Beatles and the monkeys and stuff like that. But even that, that was that didn't last. They right. grew out of it, right? For the most part, they still might enjoy the music, but there was not this kind of worship that you had in the teen years that you would still have a fourteen, sixteen year old girls kind of mm-hmm. thing. So, and guys, so, so. Yeah, I'm and and you know the other I was going to say the other big death was in 2014 that really struck me was the death of Robin Williams. Mm. Yes. Yeah, okay. and that really struck me too. Very yeah. hard. And I was shocked. I was shocked at how upset I was. I was I was depressed for days after that. And I started to realize I had to think about why because but I mean, I had watched him since Mork and Mindy and he had this ability on the screen to make you feel like you knew him mm-hmm. and you totally didn't right you know he was he, he was very much a secretive kind of guy with his own things didn't like but he just had a, a real sense through all his different roles to go yeah that's another robin's williams role that's another side of robin yeah right? exactly yeah. yeah that's very true well he's doing that the only geek uh deaths that i could come up with in 2015 that i was looking back upon so i was trying to get sort of a bit of a comparison to mm-hmm. see if there was a whole lot more mm-hmm. was uh donna douglas january 1st okay right. ellie, ellie may clamp it mm-hmm. you could you could argue that that's a geek and nerd thing people consider yeah. the beverly hillbillies kind of a geeky thing right uh, of course, Leonard Nimoy, oh, which yes. did mm-hmm. strike me a lot. Yeah, me too. Right on on 2015, and again, Spock wasn't my favorite character, but whoa, I just real I did not realize how much I was looking for, uh, like like looking back upon his entire life and being really upset about that. Yeah, uh, John Nash, which became famous from the movie A Beautiful Mind. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. there's that he kind of he's kind of like science geeky kind of thing. 
And he died in, uh, tragically in a taxi cab with his wife. They were hit in a, in a car accident. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, Rowdy Roddy Piper, yes. of course, who will always be geeky for They Live. Yes. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and, and and maybe hell comes to Frogtown, but I think it really it, it's they live that people remember oh, yeah. so much because that 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 iconic moment of him like removing the sunglasses and seeing all the signs, <laughs> yeah, right? yeah. or putting, putting them on. on, putting them on. Yep, that's right. Yeah, putting them on. Dick Van Patten, uh, Eight is Enough, yep. which is kind of like sort of a, a you know that kind of thing, and then of course Christopher Lee. Oh yeah, who's a massive influence, right? Now that took me back, but I wasn't emotionally connected in that same way. But I wasn't a Hammer, uh, uh, a Hammer films Fan. aficionado yeah. like some of my friends were. Mm-hmm. Right. I didn't get a chance to see it like most of them, but some of them did, so that hurt them a lot more. I always love the fact that Christopher Lee actually knows, like somebody. They, I guess it was in in Lord of the Rings. They were doing like the sound of somebody like breaking somebody's neck or something, uh-huh. or 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 stabbing, stabbing somebody. someone in and the back. The like, noise someone makes when they're stabbing right. in the back. Yeah, stabbing in the back. And he said, "No, that's not that's not the the sound it makes." <laughs> right. What? Because he used to work at you know he was like a secret agent in World War Two. He had, like this amazing life. Yes, he did. And he, <laughs> so he actually killed people, right? So, uh, and I loved him in James Bond too, like a Scaramanga. Yep. He was Scaramanga in James Bond, and mm-hmm. let alone Lord of the Rings and Saruman the whole bit. Anyway, um, Wes Craven, mm-hmm. right? You know he will always be known as the guy who created Nightmare on Elm Street, as well as other stuff like mm-hmm. Scream yeah. and stuff like that. But Nightmare on Elm Street was the big one that made him sort of hit the geek fest. And that was basically it. Uh, that's all I could f- come up with in 2015. Now, that's a fairly large list. Yeah. Mm. But it's not its not nearly as big a list uh, as even with the musicians that passed away. Right. right? Yeah. I mean, when you, th- you know, none of those people are really, well, Christopher Lee maybe is an Alan Rickman. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Or or a Gene Wilder kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. Right, because those those are pretty big names. I was surprised even that Gary Shandling died, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, I he's not a I wouldn't consider him a geeky person, although he was in a couple of sci fi movies. Mm-hmm. I don't consider him to be one of those geeky things. But what an innovator of television! Like yeah. between his Gary Shandling show and the Larry Sanders show, he he really sort of recreated television mm-hmm. in much of the ways that we see sitcoms now. He was the one who was innovating stuff right. like that. So. Yeah. So that was a bit of a shock for me in that respect. Well, that reminds me of someone else who died uh, this, uh, who just died recently. It's also, I forgot about Alan Thicke. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Alan Thicke died. And there's Growing yeah, Pains guy, growing right? Pains, but, which I know he has a special connection with London because he actually lived here for quite a while. He was actually a local DJ yeah. and uh, worked nights. And he, I think he's even a graduate of Western or Fanshawe. I think it's Western that he graduated from. I think it's Western too. Yeah. And and like he was, uh, what I was always surprised about was he was very famous for doing jingles. Like, like I think it's like, Jeopardy, not Jeopardy, Wheel of Fortune and another other famous uh, song. A couple of uh, theme songs from, from uh, shows. Like Growing uh, Pains. Were, well, that was him. Growing Pains. But huh. there was other ones Facts too. There was like Facts of Life. Facts of Life yeah, that he had written. He had written wow. and, and produced, and so he was making money from those too. Yep. So I guess they were doing a retrospective with him earlier this year because he, he's coming out with a new movie where he plays sort of a bad dad right. kind of thing. <laughs> and they played like the Facts of Life theme, and he's like, thanks so much. That's another $1.30 in my that- – <laughs> <laughs> He had already figured down exactly like how many seconds, how much he was going to get paid from right. that. So he already had that down pat. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. No, but I yeah. think some of it is – 
I think Jack, some of it's just critical mass. I think some of it is yeah. just the the celebrities are all reaching the age where you know they're they're yeah they're they're going to go. We're starting to reach the point where they're hitting their sixties, they're hitting their seventies, and we're starting yeah. or sometimes older. And so we're seeing them go. I mean, it's astounding. William Shatner is still with us. I mean, yeah. That, yeah. that dude. I think I think he's got the George Burns thing going on. He's so booked, he has no time to die. Yeah, like George Burns was booked right over past his hundredth birthday, all the way up. He goes, I can't die. I'm 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 on stage all the time. Yeah, and I remember having there was an interview with um, oh, what's his name? The guy who who starred beside him in Boston Legal, uh, famous actor. Oh, and, you're talking uh, about James Spader. Was it James Spader? James Spader. Mm-hmm. Yeah, James Spader, and he wasn't, you know, he wasn't an older guy. I think he was still a bit of a, he was maybe in his late thirties, might be early forties, yeah. and he was like, "I don't know how this guy does it because we're in, we get in here, you know, Monday to Friday, we're six in the morning till sometimes one in the night, you know, in in the AM. I go home and I crawl into bed, and then on the weekends, that's when I can get my sleep. He's on a plane." And he's already going to a dog show or a horse show <laughs> or a charity. He says, I don't know what keeps William Shatner you know, alive at this point because he's just always on the go. And mm. I think that's the thing is that he's got, he's got books coming out. Mm. He's doing new shows on a regular basis. He just keeps himself consistently busy. Yes, um, he does. And that's, that's – here's something that you can consider though. How many of those people uh, who have died mm-hmm. – how, how many people do you think were affected by like the? I don't want to get into Donny Tiny Hands, but how many people were affected by the by the election? Mm-hmm. Do you think that could have worsened people's health? Possibly. <laughs> I, I think that's pushing yeah. a little bit. I think a lot of the people who died sure. have since have died for their own. You know, their health was already bad. Like I mean, Carrie Fisher. Yeah. No one's going to say that she was a saint, and no one's going to say that she lived a clean life because she did not. She's no, no, of course she, not. Um, oh, there's some jo- uh, there's some reference I've seen that uh, she was once told by Jim by Jim Belushi that she was too much into the cocaine and she should cut it out. Think about that. Yeah, Jim Belushi <laughs> yeah. told her, you know, you know, that's way too much cocaine, lady. <laughs> yeah, no, and that's that's yeah. the thing is like she suffered from depression yeah, and did. from you Bipolar. know drugs and alcohol mm-hmm. uh, all her life. Yep. Yeah. I in fact I got a little bit of a person pushed back when I when I had put down Debbie Reynolds uh, earlier said she was stable, and she, and somebody put down in my comment section on Facebook saying I think Carrie Fisher would have had a uh, had a laugh on that. So I don't think yeah. she would be the first place saying you're call, you're calling me stable. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> so. Uh, she she had a, a sense of humor about the whole thing, and yeah. uh, that's that that's probably helped her. A whole well, lot. it was probably um, one of those she could either laugh or she could cry. Those were her options, and she just chose to make jokes and be sarcastic and laugh yeah. instead. Yeah. But I'm sure she was in a lot yeah. of pain, psychic pain, mm-hmm. and you know the, the sure. pain that she lived with. Um, and that's partly why I suspect that she acted so rarely over the years. She did appear in a number of things, but not that many. Yeah. Well, she said in in that so far that I've listened to um, uh, the princess. Uh, what is it called? Princess Diarist. Yep. Princess Diarist. Her 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 story. And I just started listening to this, Don. Um, and she said uh, that she was terrified to be on screen even when she was that young in Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And now that she's older, and and she says I've got all these, 
you know, these, uh, you know, these, I'm older looking and I got all these wrinkles and there's HD and right. <laughs> 3D rendering and stuff like that. She goes, I'm, I'm, I'm much more afraid. And she goes, I have to have, <laughs> she said, I have to have a, a different publicist for every one of my wrinkles, she said. So <laughs> she said, I, was, I wasn't going to watch Star Wars for that kind of reason. So I think mm. she, she found a lot more comfort in, in the writing side of things. Yeah. Um, but she was also quite excited to get back into playing Star Wars. She quite enjoyed that role, even though she she gave it she gave it its own prop. You know, she gave it the guns to say mm-hmm. uh, throughout throughout her life. She you know uh, joked about it, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Bit. But I think she enjoyed. I think she enjoyed playing Princess Leia. She said she did. So well, mm-hmm. let's let's go with that. Um, I know that <laughs> in the last couple of years, apparently she actually did you know kick a lot of her bad habits and has that had actually been focusing on you know, improving her health. Ironically enough, yeah. Um, but right, you know, years of uh, hard living catch up with you sooner or later, unless you're Keith Richards. Or, or Ozzy Osbourne, yeah, yeah, or Ozzy. Oh, I, I say that Keith Richards has been dead for years, and he just refuses to admit. It. <laughs> <laughs> well, Keith Richards is proof stubborn. that there's pretty that liches are real. That's all I have to say. On this <laughs> That's right. Well, I, I, I think we're gonna see like pictures in the 18th century in like the Civil War, and he's there. Him and, uh, <laughs> he doesn't age. He just. He just puts on more makeup to look more like haggard, right? Yep. <laughs> oh my god! Because he is the one, yeah. right? You know, he's he's the one we see when we when we see Highlander. It's Keith. It's Richards. Keith Richards. Yeah, that's that's who should have been the real final one. Keith Richards just comes and cuts that's off right. his head. There we go. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. There's a, there's been a series of deaths in some of these things. Like um, mm-hmm. I already mentioned Gene Rodberry and then Major Barrett died in 2008 from leukemia. Yep. Yeah. And and D. Kelly died in 99 from stomach cancer. Yep. That was a hard one for yeah. me. I loved Bones. Yeah. yeah. Uh, James Doohan died of pneumonia in 2005. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, that was, you know, and Alzheimer's was a factor in that as well. But I think mm-hmm. the worst of all of the sort of the geeky ones is Babylon 5. I think there's a ton of people oh. that died in Babylon. Yeah, well, half the cast um, is dead, aren't they? Or at least half the cast. It was, I think wow. it's seven or eight people now because there's Robin Sachs. Uh, now, many of these played sort of like continuing minor characters, but he played uh, one of the Mimbari war cast members in the Great Council. Um, and then there, <coughs> he also played, actually, he did voice work for Mass Effect 2 and 3, mm-hmm. and he was in Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Torchwood. Um, but Andreas Katsalas, the guy who played Jakar, yep. um, who was also famous in um, The Fugitive, right? Yeah, right? Yep. he played the bad guy in The Fugitive. He died from lung cancer, but I mean, he, the guy smoked like a chimney, yeah, so yeah. it's not surprising. Mm-hmm. That was 2006. Richard Biggs, which was a big shocker, he died in 2004. He's the guy who played Dr. Franklin, Stephen Franklin. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cardiovascular disease for him. Michael O'Hare, the original captain kind of thing, Jeffrey Sinclair. Yep. Um, heart attack in 2012. Mm-hmm. Jeff yeah. Conaway, that was a hard one because mm-hmm. I, I watched him in Taxi, right? Yep. Yeah. Uh, I played Bobby in Taxi and he was in Greece and stuff like that. That was a drug overdose, mm-hmm. but some people are saying that no, it was uh, uh, sepsis from pneumonia, which is oh. very bizarre. And then, um, oh my God, Zathras. Yeah. Tim Choate, who played Zathras, one of the most annoying characters in the entire show. <laughs> Zathras thinks so. Zathras was like your. <laughs> Your, your lion version of Yoda yeah, in, yeah, in that show. That yep. was terrible. Erdogan. Paul Winfield died. He played Gropos, uh, the general. 
Uh, and Turin Bay, who played a centa- the Centauri Emperor, he died uh, with Parkinson's disease. And then most recently, this year, I think it was this yeah, year. Yeah, it was this year. Jerry Doyle died. Yep. Jerry Doyle died. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So that was... And I think he had I think he had heart problems beforehand. I think he had a heart attack or a stroke beforehand. Yep. And he was coming back from that a couple of years later, too. Yep. Well, many mm-hmm. people... Uh, you know, it goes back to, again, what I was saying. We're watching our people that are the basically the tail end of the baby boomers we're watching baby boomers pass away that's basically what's yeah. happening all those actors are baby boomers they're not of our generation they're baby boomers and so as an end result it's natural that they're reaching that age where statistically speaking we're going to see more and more of them going and it's just they're our yeah. generation's baby boomers so we remember them all um, mm-hmm. That's the thing is like I, I get a little upset when people start you know swearing at the year and stuff like that because I I just write back and I say um you know what time is just beginning mm. <laughs> time will take them all from you yes even mm-hmm. you you know time like will so, take everything so from you. We'll give you everything stop, and stop. take it away mm-hmm. there's just something there's something ugly by personifying a year as as being like this is the year that i hate the most right mm-hmm. because of of taking all of these particular people away there's something ugly in that i don't i don't it's it, something that rubs me raw mm-hmm. in just making that as the excuse do you guys feel that well i don't think i no i agree with you i agree with you on that i think you got to remember at least some of it's coming from john oliver and his whole like <laughs> uh, his whole you know, fuck 2016 retrospective that he put together. And I think that was the first time I'd really heard someone like really go off on that. And ever since then, it's been nonstop. Fuck 2016. You know, the whole, the, the year oh, that sucked. Oh, that's where it came from. Um, Cause on John over did that on his show, like the week after Trump won, but you know, he tied every, right. all the bad things that had happened in 2016 up until then. We've had a few since um, yep. that have, uh, that have happened, but I agree with you. I think that what? personifying a year, because Lots of, you know, lots of people were born this year. Lots of presumably good mm. things happened this year. I mean, it depends on the place and the country. It's all relative, right? But I think... Well, I, I wonder, too, if it's if it's also, like you said, you know, these are baby boomers that we grew up with watching, you know, all our favorite shows exactly. and that. But I think also, I think there's more to it, too, in the respect where you think, like, geek culture is so mainstream now that even... Mm. People who shouldn't have died. Like, let's be honest. Uh, this year, Anton Yelchin died. That was that was really sad. Yeah, it was mm-hmm. very sad. How he died and everything. The guy who played Pavel Cheka in the new Star Trek. I mean, he shouldn't have died. He's not. He's not a baby boomer. But because geek culture is so pervasive, mm. how do you how do you escape it now? It's almost yeah. every single like so many shows have some connection in geek culture or in you know in speculative fiction or something like that. It is really the, it's the hottest thing. So. It's part of almost so much a celebrity. Can you think of one celebrity person who hasn't hit geek culture in one role or not? Yeah. Um, I imagine there are a lot. It's just that we tend to focus, like the big films are all like blockbuster, tentpole, geek culture films for the most part. Um, I would imagine that there must be lots. I'm just not thinking of them offhand, but I'm sure (laughs) that, you know, let's face it. Most of those Oscar winning films that go up for Oscars each year are not part of geek culture. Very, very few of them are. No, I, yeah, you can say that, but I, can you say that every one of those Oscar people didn't appear in some sort of geeky kind of movie? Like, I mean, uh, if you, if you go to famous, what's her name? Who's, who's, uh, Meryl Streep. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Wasn't she in Death Becomes Us or something? Death like, Becomes Her, yeah. I think she was. Death Becomes Her. Like, you can find a geeky movie that all of these people were in in one shape or another. Or a yeah. geeky television show. That's true. Most of them do have some geek connection somewhere along the line. Like, start naming them off. Tom Hanks, Mel Gibson, all these people who have gone through. Some of them are in, some of them are our more favorite geeky stuff that we've ever done. Yeah. I mean, Robin Williams himself hit like five or six different geeky things. Yeah. Even people that you you expect to be like uh like just romantic heroes like uh meg ryan mm-hmm. she was in inner space right yeah um julia roberts played tinkerbell that's true you mm-hmm. know so there's all these people even the people that we wouldn't consider to be geeky people still have hit some sort of geeky uh movie or television show one way or another well because huh. it's fun i mean i've always <laughs> heard that that the you know to do these weird geeky roles for most of them anyway it's actually just a lot of fun I mean, weird roles. And lucrative. And lucrative. Yeah. And lucrative. Often. Well, these days, lucrative. <laughs> Let's least, not forget that At least part. if you're in a Marvel movie, it's damn lucrative these days. <laughs> I mean, yeah, there's no question on that. Can you think of anybody who's hot who's not going to spin in a superhero show in one way or another at this point? Like a hot new actor at some point? Yeah, I, I mean, yes, we can sit there and I guess we could maybe find somebody, mm-hmm. but... That's the, that's like the latest geeky cultural thing that's just become yeah ev- everybody is like okay well who's going to be who's going to be the next green lantern you know what i mean who's right. going to be the next this it's right. they want somebody generally who is well known who's got a good pedigree who's well acted i mean you know Cumberbatch, the question is, how many can he hit at this <laughs> point, right? Well, I don't think he did a very good job as Doctor Strange, but uh, except for that... Oh, you're you're in the minority well, there. You're in the minority uh, no, there. Lots I, of I've known a couple people who, who... Like, here, I didn't hate him, but I found his role as Doctor Strange really bland. In fact, I thought he was one of the least... In, like, his incredible charisma was not on display in that film. Like, his presence was mm. not on display. He was, he was very... He was, like, very... Um, what's the best word to describe it? Very, uh... He got upstaged by his cape? Pretty, yeah, he did, actually. <laughs> that's that's one of the running jokes, is that the kid, the cape was a better actor than he was in that film. Do you know Alexa Chipman has gone to see him, like, 11 times in the theater? That movie? Yeah, yeah, she mentioned something huh. about that on her Facebook today. It's crazy. Yeah, she, she really has. Yeah, it's, it's just like, and I, I really enjoyed it. I thought, I, I, again, I go in with low expectations, and I always mm. come back appreciative, right? Um, so I, I, it was easy for, <laughs> for me to see that. But, you know, he's also been Khan, and he's also been Sherlock Holmes. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, he's... So, I mean, that's three that he's been fit in that are just right off the top of the bat. How many more can many of these people be fit into in mm-hmm. that way? The guy who's played Kirk, uh, what's his name, the actor? The oh, new Kirk. Uh, Chris Pine. It's like the new Coke, the new Kirk. Chris <laughs> Pine, he, he's, he's, he's being fitted up for a new superhero too, isn't he? I think I did hear something about him being involved in some superhero movie. Oh, 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 I know. He's in Wonder Woman. Oh, he yes, plays, yeah. Uh, Steve, he, he plays Steve. Um, Steve Trevor. Steve Trevor, yep. thank you very much. Although it's it takes late. place in World War One, <laughs> so presumably, yeah, that that Steve Trevor is long dead by the modern films, but whatever. Right. Um, yeah. But yeah. she's immortal Weird. right now, anyway, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. So, so, so I found some last tweets from some celebrities that kind of creeped me out. Do you want to hear somebody? Okay, sure. <laughs> 
Um, and these are like some of these are minor minor celebrities, but I there was a whole bunch of them, and very few of them actually had some sort of creepy aspects. So the creepy aspects ones are the ones I picked, of course. Right. So there's this guy named Heavy D, and he's he I guess he was a rapper. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was. And, and his last his last tweet was inspired, all in capital letters. Inspired. Huh. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So and then we talked about Riva Steenkamp, who was uh, a South African actress who was murdered by her boyfriend on Valentine's Day. Mm-hmm. And uh, her last tweet was, what do you have up your sleeve for your love tomorrow? Question mark. Valentine's Day. Oh, yikes. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> that is, that's kind of creepy. Yeah, that is uh-huh. that's creepy. really creepy. <laughs> uh, then Mindy McCready said, things have been hectic, but I'm still here. Dot, dot, dot. Wow. Huh. Not anymore. Uh, yeah. Whitney, Whitney Houston said, yes, I am the real Whitney. That was her last tweet. Because mm-hmm. uh, somebody asked, like, is there no real Whitney Houston on these tweets? And she goes, yeah, I'm the real Whitney. And then Michael Clark Duncan, you remember yes, him? Yes, of course. Mm-hmm. Big guy, you know. Uh, d- did he not play Kingpin? Yes, he did. He played the Kingpin yeah. in, 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 the, the, in, in, oh, Ben Affleck's Daredevil. The Ben yeah. Ben Affleck Daredevil. Yes, yeah. yeah, that's right. And, you know, of course, he played in, in uh, with Tom Hanks in that Stephen King, uh, The yep, Green yes, Mile. Yes, he did. Won mm-hmm. him an award for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and he wrote... In capital letters, Silva wins. And I, I hope that – I think he was thinking of Anderson Silva, the UFC fighter, and I sure hope that he w- didn't get so excited that that ended him. But that was huh. it. Um, and then Roger Ebert, the famous uh, critic, mm-hmm. he wrote, uh, my leave of presence, an update. And then he had a link to that. And he had my leave of presence all in like capitals as if it was the title of a movie. Uh-huh. So leave of presence. Corey Monteith, um, I guess he's from um, uh, Glean. Uh, Glee, right? yeah, yes, yes, show he was, guy, yeah. and he, he he died he died of an overdose, mm-hmm. right? And he wrote, uh, "Oh, it's Sharknado" in capital letters, and then said, "What is the crap? What the crap is Sharknado?" Um, Can you imagine so, that's your I last words? Was... What the crap is Sharknado? <laughs> your last words. Uh, Paul Walker wrote, "The boys are back. Will you be ready?" Fast Fridays, mm-hmm. um, and then Harry Harris Whittles, who I have no idea who that is, Sounds familiar. but I just love the name. Yeah, and his his last tweet was just a reminder. My email harriswhittles at gmail dot com. Thanks. So I guess he must have got a lot of sort of uh, sad letters after that. Probably that went to his email. And then I, I'm going to end off with L- Leonard Nimoy's, right, which was poignant because he knew it was coming. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, he wrote, a life, a life is like a garden. Perfect moments can be had, but not preserved, except in memory. LLAP, which is live long and prosper. Huh. Right. Mm. That's depressing. So, yeah, that, yeah. Yeah. That's very poignant. <laughs> well, okay. Mm-hmm. But, it is poignant. But, okay. So let's yeah. take a little shift then. Okay. Because something very, very ironic actually happened last week and involved the movie Star Wars Rogue One, which involves okay. not only one, but now two dead celebrities are in Rogue One. Yikes. Um, <laughs> and here's my question then. With the way like computer technology is going and everything, because I'm going to spoil it for some people. You know, um, Peter Cushing, uh, Grand Moff Tarkin, is one of the characters in Rogue One. But of course, mm, Cushing's right. been dead for many years. So what we're right. looking at, what you're looking at, is basically a stand-in actor who's been that never stops him from making his mark. No, it doesn't. Right? You know, right. getting on his mark, he never, never misses his mark. That's that's, that's a true professional. True. Being dead for two decades does not stop you from being there. He's on that time. much of an actor. I agree. <laughs> Peter Cushing is He's the a man. professional. <laughs> Who words? 
I was saying boo urns. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Little mole man. Okay, there, but... okay all right. <laughs> I was saying boo urns. That's better. All right. So just to continue. Um, Sorry. So, and of course, Carrie Fisher as a young Princess Leah makes an appearance in the movie. Um, mm-hmm. And so the, my question is now, can any celebrities die now? Like, mm. all, we have now officially reached the point, ironically enough, where just as all these celebrities are passing, they can still keep making movies. You can now still yeah. create, have little CGI puppets, which I'll refer to them as, that are CGI stand-ins yep. that are actually continuing the roles with um, sometimes even their voice, like an actual stitched-together yep. version of their own voice. And was it, was it Carrie Fisher's voice in the end of that? I think it might be. Or did they did they get an actress who do it? Because I don't think it sounded like it, like if if it was, they must have stitched it from earlier stuff. Because her voice is very distinct as she's gotten older. Right. Yeah, I think so. It must have been stitched from earlier from something earlier. Um, Ma, uh, Peter Cushing is actually the stand-in's voice. You're actually hearing the guy. He does. Yes. The, they picked him because he bears a resemblance to Peter Cushing, and he's an incredible. Uh, he he does the voice almost perfectly. He's a British actor. Right. right. And they just kind of painted over yep. him, so to speak. But how long is that going to be necessary, right? I mean, yeah. Well, no. This is this is this is where I was. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was. Uh, I knew this back in the early '80s. Didn't I tell you this in another episode? Maybe go on. In the early '80s, I said specifically that they were going to get to a point in technology, and this is before computers had gotten anywhere near that we got today. Like we're talking about pets, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you know. But I said we're going to get to a point in computers where. All it's going to be cheaper to make these animated, and I didn't call them animated at the time, but computer generated characters based on your favorite characters that you loved. Brand new movies of Marilyn Monroe guest starring in brand new versions of Star Trek Mm -hmm. with all the characters and regular stuff. And we're going to start off with them with that either the people doing their own voices or people doing sound like Mm -hmm. and then eventually we'll get to a point the hardest thing will be getting a computer voice that generates and sounds exactly like those characters and that will be so much more cheaper than actually doing all the filming and all that kind of stuff and i in in my head i said and what we're going to see then is we're going to see a return to like vaudeville for these other actors who want to be able to just continue to act. And we're going to see more live on stage stuff that will happen. That will be more of a a kitschy kind of thing Mm -hmm. for people who want to see the actual actors, but all movies and stuff like that will go to, you know, Oh, you want to see Steve Martin acting with Jack lemon. Okay. We're going to redo this entire movie and we're going to put those two avatars or puppets in. And then we're going to have them pull in with, you know, um, uh, Greta Garbo, yeah. right, or or somebody else, and just mix and mash characters from different generations and different times, and see what we can come up with story wise, and it'll be so uh, kitschy that people will think it's kind of a neat thing to start off with, right. And I saw that wow. way before, and then when it came out with that commercial with Fred Astaire dancing with the mop, I went, "Oh my god, yep. we're almost there." Yep. Yeah, but and um, they did that for a while. That was the, that was the whole age of colorization. Remember? Yeah. They wanted to colorize all the movies, and they were really awful looking. Some of the movies yeah. they were very pastel. Yeah, right? yeah, they were. Yeah. You know, you know, they colorized Casablanca. It's like it's like. <laughs> Talk about urinating on the holy cups in the in the church for crying yeah, out loud. Yeah. You know, it's just 
you can't Casablanca was shot in black and white with the understanding that the shadows were really working extremely well in the black and white they shot it for those reasons and once you colorize Mm. it you lost a whole lot of the edge of that particular show but I saw this coming and and I I maybe I'm 30 years too late but it's certainly going to be on the way we're going to see that well yeah what you're talking about is basically running simulations of that quote unquote story with that other actor or other thing I think we're a little bit farther away from that still but you're right i think that's eventually where things will go no you you you, yep. you you guys are missing the actual question okay what because what you guys are talking about if you ever read the comic american flag mm-hmm. the hero yeah. the hero was the 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 star of this like uh, action porn tv series and he got replaced by a hologram that's why he had to be a cop yeah <laughs> i remember that yeah but and that's true. I mean, real work, but, real but, actors are going to be competing with CGI actors. There's no question on that. But you're, yeah, that's Howard Chaykin. But my, the yeah. big question is, is that who owns that image? Oh, and who owns that voice? It'll be the company. But but again, you're you're missing the 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 scary thing isn't the question: Will actors be able to die? It's will actors be able to live because once we're only two steps away from completely simulated actors, mm-hmm. right? That there won't be it, it. The 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 thing on the screen won't be a representation of an actor. It'll be a completely made up thing. Ooh, can you imagine you're going to get to the point that you're going to be the one that directs your own movie? You'll say, okay, I'm going to be the one. I'm going to take Star Wars, but I'm going to put these puppets in in yep. place. And so you can totally read now. We're nowhere near that, but think about how that will revolutionize porn. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, but you're you're also forgetting too Sorry. that you're you're not gonna that that's going to be horrible because what you're already seeing now, and you guys may have bumped into this, mm-hmm. is the tools for the average person to create entertainment are being taken away. Uh, what do you mean? They're, they're, no, we're living in a, the age where people have access to more tools to create entertainment than ever before. My smartphone, you could make a movie just using my smartphone, my iPhone. What do you mean it's being taken away? No, because well, I can if get you, it out on YouTube. I completely disagree, but okay, go. For for now, because what you're starting to see happen is um, mm-hmm. the new version of like your your editing programs and that. You're not buying them now. It's that thing where I'm getting the program and I'm essentially leasing it from the company. That's true. Well, you're going to see the top end stuff is going to be priced way the hell out of uh, the range of the average person. But thanks to free market, though, people will the lower end stuff will this stuff will move in for the people that want it. Like if there's a demand, it will be filled. It, you're talking about vaporware, right? Vaporware. No, is he's talking it, right? about Stuff subscription that's... services, or he's talking about, like, for example, Adobe and everything. If you want any access to Photoshop or Premiere or any of Adobe's stuff now, it's all in the cloud. You have to get Adobe yeah. Creative Cloud, and you have to pay somewhere. If you're a student, you pay like twenty bucks a month. If you're a pro, you have to pay like sixty bucks a month. And it, yeah, isn't that vaporware though? Isn't that what they used to call vaporware? The idea that you're not installing it on your hard drive, which is what I one of the biggest arguments I've had about why I don't like apps right? mm-hmm. on phones and I don't like that is because you really who really do you is is an app a product or a service? It's a service. 
mostly. If you want right? to get, they can remove at any time. You pay yep. for it, but you can remove at any time. True. And there's no, there's no. They can change the terms of service. They can do any of that kind of stuff for you, right? So that's why I always like to have, like, whenever I get Windows or a new computer, I was like, no, I want the disc. Mm. Mm-hmm. Don't just install Windows on the computer and tell me what the thing is. I want the disk because I'm I'm going to be the one that's going to be you know rebooting stuff like that. And after a while, they don't do that. They don't yep. offer you the disk anymore. You can get so, them, but yeah. it's not easy. You have to jump through a few hoops usually. Yeah. Yeah. Usually, yeah. I mean, they might send it from the actual headquarters and that, but oftentimes in in the in the companies anymore, they're 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 installing it from one disk on you know hundreds of computers and just giving you a different serial number. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. And, 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 you know, so we're creating a world in which we're doing, like, one of the great things about learning as a computer nerd and a computer geek is getting under the hood and messing with stuff. Mm-hmm. And and Don's right in that respect, whereas once we, these things start moving into the cloud, which I've always hated, I've always said it's a bad idea to move everything into the cloud. Yep. Uh, be, beware of convenience. Convenience is like, <laughs> is, is like the ultimate enemy mm-hmm. of, of humanity. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, once you get to a certain level of convenience, all you're doing is actually robbing you of, of choices. Mm. Mm. That's true. You, you, too many choices, you, and you end up with no choices in the end. That it, the yeah, paradox for yeah. sure. For sure. So, uh, and and but you know, when you have software that you own, that you have a chance to be able to go in and do stuff offline and play with things on your own and do those kinds of things. Uh, and you own it, you have the opportunity to be able to do things, mm-hmm. uh, then that's when real innovation happens. Yeah. Um, I was just watching a really interesting documentary, and I forget what it's called right now, but I'll, I'll give it to you for a link on Netflix. And they were talking about um, Edward Snowden and, uh, and, 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 the t- and the tech aspects of, of what he did and Aaron Schwartz. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize Aaron Schwartz killed yes, himself, which... which mm-hmm horrifying um considering that he was basically the guy that that created rss yeah. um mm-hmm. and 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 a number of other things and really had this, this strong desire to try to keep things free um but this whole idea that the way they have the laws right now mm-hmm. is that it's not a matter of they can get you on a federal crime they can do that mm-hmm. it's a matter of which ones will they get you if they want to? Yep. Yeah. Because, for example, according to the laws in the United States, I don't know what it's like in Canada in the same way. It would be something worth looking into. But the United States, if you break the terms of service on anything, so they were saying, like, if you are um, on Teen Beat Magazine online mm-hmm. and you sign, no, 17, 17 Magazine online, the terms of service, it says under you have to be 18 and over. Mm-hmm. Right. And if you register and you're 17 and they they could catch you on that, that's a felony. Yep. That's a felony. That is hard time prison for for signing up to an online web service <laughs> simply because they make those terms of service. Mm-hmm. It doesn't even ma- matter that the terms of service make sense. Very few of us actually read the terms of service when we sign it, mm-hmm. but automatically we are on the hook. Yeah for whatever what yep. we do. So most of us have in one way or another broken those terms of service. We are all felons waiting for our sentencing. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, kind of scary. And it's it's not even just that, but you think about us recording right now, we're using like um two different programs and an internet hookup like each of us mm-hmm. to just do this show. Yep. 
what happens if any of the producers of those programs, and it's in the, ter- the, the, the agreement, they can just yank the service whenever they want. Nope, you cannot use this anymore. Mm-hmm. Yoink. And, and then what do you do? It's true. So take that back to um, the days when they didn't have that, um, where you could be a radio operator. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sure they, had, they, sure, they had rules as to you know, what your range was. Um, but you still had, they, they weren't going to, they weren't going to t- go into your home and st- steal your radio equipment. Well, radio is kind you know, of, as long as you're, uh, ra- sorry, go ahead. Radio is a bad example because, uh, back in the day they could, but, um, think we're, we're all nerds here. Think zines. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's, there was nothing yeah. they could do to stop you from producing a zine. Mm-hmm. That's true. And, um, that was a that's what made zines such an incredibly democratic and free thinking art form while they existed mm-hmm. anyway. Yeah, so well, they, they exist now, but they're called websites and blogs. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, and there's so many of them that the odds of anyone noticing whatever you write or broadcast in the case of our podcast is are actually mm-hmm. is actually fairly low. It's like a needle in a thing. Unless they want to go look, well, and- this- that's true. Well, so this is the difference between, you know, the difference we're, – we're stuck in, in these poles where we have, you know, where they take away your ability to create on one hand, which Don says, mm-hmm. or everybody has the ability to create and nobody sees anything mm-hmm. because we're all living in a sea of created stuff. Right. So nobody can – you can't go through that stuff because there's four million people writing their own book. Yeah. Oh, exactly. That's yeah. the problem the ebook community is having is that uh, – unless you can find a way to really hammer one particular genre in a way that gets the attention of the readers of that genre, forget it. You are basically, you're not going to get any attention. You'll sell no books. It just won't happen. Right. Well, now we're, di- we're back to dinosaur porn. Thanks so much. <laughs> we are. Exactly. <laughs> I wasn't going to say it, but I was thinking that. <laughs> I knew you were. That's not what I was referring to, but dinosaur porn is a perfect example as usual. Embraced by yeah. the T-Rex. Embraced by the T-Rex. Exactly. <laughs> What, with I those mean, little arms? With those little arms. Well, hey, T Rexes need love too, man. <laughs> On the wings of the pterodon. <laughs> yep, exactly. A, a dinosaur romance. There we go. Yikes. Uh. <laughs> but no, but again, the point is unless you can do something that's actually, like, as someone once said, the internet it, it rewards the very bad and the very good, but it despises the mediocre. There's another better mm-hmm. way to say that, but basically it abhors the mediocre, something to that effect. It, abhor- right. it abhors mediocrity. That's cool. I, I hadn't heard that yeah. before. I the internet abhors mediocrity. Cool. Yeah, that's it. Um, because everything either has to be very good or very bad to get people's attention. And if it's neither, yeah. it just gets ignored. Yeah. Well, you could you could argue the internet adores mediocrity because that's <laughs> what it's filled with, right? Yes, but that's not what gets the attention, though. <laughs> That's yeah. true. That is That's true. That's what gets the clicks uh, and the eyeballs. Go take a look at YouTube. Look at what actually gets the attention. You have to be very good or you have to be very bad because there are lots of people that just talk about you know what they had for dinner or talk about their cat or whatever. And they have like their 10 people that actually watches their channel. Right. And that's it. Right. You know, you have but to... Then there are pe- Unless you're talking about how, you know, unless you're talking about your meal and your cat, and you also happen to be a hot woman who's wearing very revealing clothing, then you will have hits. But even then, you'd be surprised how few. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the thing. I've, I just was watching another video from Jacqueline, I forget her name, 
but I and I, I I don't even have her subscribed, but she just keeps showing up on my thing because she's a you know she's got two hundred thousand visitors or whatever on her on her thing, right. and she has these provocative titles like I'm no longer an atheist or something like that, and of course it's her making fun of Christians in one way or another, and I'm and I'm thinking okay I've seen some of her other videos she's actually an intelligent person but. The, most of her videos that she does are making fun of Christians in one way or another. And I'm thinking, that gets boring after a while. Mm. But no, it doesn't because it's just a matter of ticking off the right amount of people. Mm-hmm. So you have so many different eyeballs there. It becomes – it's clickbait, right? Yeah. yeah. And she's attractive to look at. She's really, really attractive. Jacqueline Glenn, I think, is her name. And she's really attractive in the whole bit. But everything she does is clickbait. And I'm thinking, that's 90% of the popular people on – on YouTube, yeah. I mean that's PewDiePie. His latest clickbait was, "If so many people like this, I'll never make another thing again." And mm-hmm. then he came back when they all liked it, and he went, "Yeah, I was just kidding." Yeah, yeah, of course he was, um, because duh, yeah. he's making literally huge amounts of money off that, um, yeah, off, off that channel. Of course, he's not going to delete it, which is what he said he'd do. Well, he's he's yeah, he's the number one, I think. In all of YouTube, basically, who's making the most amount of money? Yeah, he's making millions off of his really, really weird videos. <laughs> well, and I don't mean weird as an in interesting. They're not interesting. They're they're just him chatting or him doing a, a gameplay. Right. But I guess he got it in early. I think this is the other argument that I would say is that it, it you don't even have to be really good or really bad. Mm. You just have to have gotten there first. Mm. Like, we know a lot of podcasters who were really popular mm-hmm. because they got there yeah, first. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Right? Mm-hmm. But if you take a look at them compared to some other people that are really, really good, but just make no impact. Yeah. Right. Because nobody knows where they right. are. It's, 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 you know, it really is, you know, first ones there. Oh, yeah. Got to stake out the mm-hmm. flag, right? Oh, yeah, so. absolutely. Huh. And the ebooks, it was the same way. I mean, people talk about the gold rush days in the ebook community. Which was back when ebooks first came out. Yeah, you could publish anything. There were just so many readers, and there were so few stuff being published that whatever was you put some short story out, and you sold like a hundred thousand copies. And ta-da, ninety nine yeah. cents each. That was a lot of money. Yeah. And yeah, now you'll sure. be lucky if you get one or two readers because there's a zillion short people writing short stories out there and whatever else. I mean, unless you're writing dinosaur porn, but whatever. <laughs> All right. So, but actually, Jack brought up an interesting point. You brought up about Jacqueline Clinton. and let's let's shift back to our original topic a little bit here. So, how about we talk about nerd culture and death? Um, specifically, you know, death is a major part of our lives. But do you think that nerd culture really faces death, or is nerd culture really all about avoiding death? Like it's escapism, right? Doesn't it usually spend most of its time helping us to avoid our awareness of death? Huh. Spock came back. Well, that's true. Right? Spock may come, came may have come back, but if you think about it, I mean, nerd culture is mostly based on stories where the good guys always live, the bad guys often die, and right. um. Yeah, we you know, you know stormtroopers storm are not very accurate. Um, mm-hmm. You know, GI Joe is a million shots. Same with the Transformers, but nobody actually <laughs> dies. The A team mows everyone down. Or oh, sorry, no, they don't. They just fire lots of bullets. I right. mean, <laughs> as kids of the '80s, we literally grew up with the most violent, non-violent TV ever. Uh, yeah, and my dad used to say, "God hates handrails <laughs> because he." 
it would just shoot handrails wherever you are. You'd be on these catwalks, and like a thousand bullets would be fired, and they'd just hit the handrail all around the hero. So God hates God, handrails. Uh, yeah. It kind of goes up with it goes up with my theory of um, what is it uh, the the theory of um, I forget what I called it, but it was a theory of uh, a reverse sort of ninjas, where more ninjas are less effective than one. Right. Mm. So it's just like you know, you have <laughs> if you have like fifty thousand ninjas, they'll all drop down from a cold, right? But if you have one ninja, he'll kill everybody in the room. Mm-hmm. So it, that's that's the difference. But with the, it's interesting because you, when I brought up the whole thing with with uh, with uh, Spock. Mm-hmm. When he died, and, and that was really upsetting, and he came back and the whole bit. When Leonard Nimoy died, I remember Seth MacFarlane, his first tweet was, somebody find the Genesis planet. Mm-hmm. Right. Which I think I think it feeds to what you're saying, mm-hmm. is yeah. that as nerds, we want a happy ending yeah. of our heroes. Well, that, right? Well, it's escapist that, that entertainment. Was, uh... Sorry, go down. But I mean, oh. and the thing is, they're not like Leonard Nimoy is not Spock. No, yeah, he's Leonard Nimoy, but he is Spock for the people who grew up for him. True, mm. that's true. See, I, I mean, that, he got in a lot of trouble writing that book saying I am not Spock. Yeah, that wasn't his title. He didn't choose that title. It was a chapter in his book, and one and his publicist said, "Yeah, that'll sell it." Mm-hmm. And he got in a lot of trouble for that. And then he ended up writing the book I am Spock yeah. kind of thing, <laughs> to sort of try to get people to buy that. But it, that's the whole point: is that. We identify, and like I said, you're not going to sit there and say, see somebody like you wouldn't have seen Marilyn Monroe write a a uh, a novel saying or a uh, a biopic a uh, bio biography of her saying, "I am not Marilyn," mm-hmm. which and she wasn't. She was Norma Jean, Norma Jean, right? right? Yeah. Um. And and but and and Marilyn was a character she put on. I remember reading an an article of another actress who said she was walking in a street with her as Norma Jean, and nobody noticed her. Right. And she said, "You want and do you want to see Marilyn?" And she didn't do anything but change the way she held herself, and everybody in the street stopped and turned around. Hmm. So it was that much of a transformation in just the per- perception. So this is the thing: is, is as geeks and nerds, our perception of our heroes is so great it overshadows who they are as actors. And so, yeah, it hits us that much harder. Right. Mm-hmm. I think. Hmm. So I think you know we want Spock back. That's yeah. why. That's why we, we we it's different for us. Okay. Well, yeah. I mean, if you go with the idea that we live in a world where everything is focused on yeah happy endings and everything is yeah. focused, where it's all about trying to avoid um, reality, I guess you could say. I mean, now, but is that changing? Like, I mean, Rogue One didn't really end happily. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're not. Let's not spoil it. But yeah, it does not have the most <laughs> happy of endings. Um, we already we already did spoilers in it, but let's well, yeah we don't have to go exactly what the ending is. It's not a huge spoiler. That's actually a relatively mild sure. one. Um, uh, but you're right. I mean, it does not. And mind you, it gets away with that by being a one shot, and also because it is just a lead into a new hope, which of course is a, ha- a much more happy movie. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, except for the. 200,000 people and the Death Star. Yeah, and their families and everyone else. <laughs> yep. yeah. Hey, yeah. And, Alderaan and Alderaan. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. Probably more people on Alderaan kind of thing. <laughs> yes. Wow. Yeah, that's See, true. I, I think um, one of the things when you talk about like the, the more nerdly genres, um, I think when it comes to depictions of death, part of it's because there's 
always been a weird kind of ebb and flow to a sort of ambivalence about who the audience is. Mm-hmm. So, like, superheroes things, every, like, they'll start, you know, well, it's kid stuff. And then it gets to a point where it's, no, it's like grown-up stuff. And then it goes back to being kid stuff. And that's one of the reasons why when you get to the point where it's considered kid stuff, that's when, like, a character will come back. That's when they back off of, like, heavy issues and they back off a consequence because of who the perceived audience is. Right. Okay. And I, and I think that's one of the reasons why you get, like, um, with with the nerdly stuff in particular, and I think part of it, too, is the idea that a lot of the well-known nerdly stuff, it's a franchise now. Yeah. So when you get, when the new crew comes in, they always like to clean house. So, again, with superheroes, when they make the new series of movies or the new writer and artist coming into the comic, they pick and choose. Well, I like this guy, so we'll bring him back, and we'll make this guy disappear, and then we'll change this. And that's one of the other reasons why, especially the idea of death, is more nebulous with your fantasy and sci-fi and superhero-y kind of stuff. That makes sense. Well, because, well, yeah, it's all about the franchise. It's all about keeping it going. Yeah. And if you can keep it going, we're good. Hmm. We forgot Kenny Baker died this year, too. Oh, yeah, R2-D2. Maybe, yeah. maybe this was a crappy year for celebrities. <laughs> That's right. Even, even R2 I, didn't yeah, make it out alive. Like, oh, jeez. Mm. No. And so that's the question. I mean, yeah. So, I mean, R2 is easier to cover up, right? Because you, you didn't know he was in there in the first right, place. Right, most yeah. people didn't. That's true. Uh, yeah. And, I mean, Warwick Davis uh, reprised a bit of his role in Star Wars. Not his role, but he came back and he played another character right. mm-hmm. in, in this Star Wars as well. Um, mm-hmm. And he's going to be doing Willow again. They're doing Willow 2. You're wow. kidding. Okay. <laughs> no, 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 no. Remember, once once Disney owned all of Lucas's stuff, uh-huh. everything's on the table. Like, yeah. expect a Howard the Duck coming out some point. Well, right? well they've already alluded to that. Yeah, there you yeah, go. They did. I mean, they got Indiana Jones coming. Like, what else? They're gonna get, they're gonna try and go to the well as many times as possible. This is how Disney many times right? can we watch Harrison Ford die? <laughs> yeah, because you are... well, they're already they're already going to recast him in in a new Indiana Jones. I mean, mm-hmm. he, I think he's going to play one more Indiana Jones, and they're going to recast and get another a young Indiana Jones and start all yep. over again. Right. Yep. Eventually, that'll happen with the superhero movies too. Yeah, That's the way it'll go. Yeah, but I mean, we're, we're used to it with superhero movies. This this is a very interesting time in that respect because so many new things mm-hmm. in our geek culture happened in the eighties. Yeah. Right, yep. yeah. like the big the big changes happens in the eighties and maybe even the early nineties. I mean, like Next Generation to a certain degree was was a tra- changing of the guard. But mm-hmm. let's take a look at just the Lucas stuff. Let's take a look at the fact that Star Wars. It was a huge argument about whether or not you were actually going to have anybody else other than Leia, Luke, and Han, and you know, in that Star Wars movie. Right. Yeah. You know, people got really really angry about that whole idea. Just like people got really angry about the idea of recasting. Anybody in the original Star Trek crew? Yeah, right? yeah, that's true. There was that was back when when they were coming back with the movies. It was like, oh, you're going to recast uh, uh, Leonard Nimoy? Yeah, because he doesn't want to come back. No, we're not doing that. And people were up in arms, just furious about that. Mm-hmm. And so now, I mean, 
So so it was different when you had superheroes because we you go all the way back and there was a there was a Batman serial and there was a Captain America serial and yeah. you know a Superman serial. So we had already seen like three iterations of Superman before Christopher Reeve ever took on the the that's true the Don't, cape right? yeah the cape yep yep you're right we had actually so. So superheroes, it's not that big of a deal. And, and even in the comics, I mean, the comics have changed around so much between Golden Age and Silver Age and Bronze and, and the modern age of, of stuff like that. We're used to stylistic changes and entire background changes. Yeah. I mean, take a look at how they changed Green Lantern from his original to what he is now. Yeah. And, and, and the three or four different Green Lanterns that have come after Hal Jordan. Right. Although they keep going back to Hal Jordan, but yeah, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, you, there's I mean they go back to him, but they also they also update yeah. him. Like that was one of that was one of the big arguments that people hate. And I just watched it again. I just watched the new, the 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 Ryan Reynolds. Yikes. I didn't hate it. I uh, I I didn't <laughs> hate it. I, I I mean, it's cheesy because Green Lantern is cheesy, right? Right? So, it didn't bother me in that respect. I expected it to be cheesy, but so many people were furious about the uniform. Yeah. Mm. I'm like are you kidding? Do you know how many times that uniform alone has been changed? I can't think of another superhero who's had more slight variations to his uniform Batman. than Green Lantern. Superman. I was going to say maybe Batman. Batman's had a ton. I don't ton. think even Superman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Batman's had a ton, but I mean, you're right. And there's like, because sometimes he's bluish, sometimes he's blackish. Yeah. He's had like his, his, uh, his original insignia didn't have yellow in it to begin yep. with, right? It was just the black, yep. yeah. right? And, and even his mask has changed a whole bunch and how long his cape is how and all that kind of stuff. How long his ears are. And yeah, oh no. Yeah. How long you his ears are. You can find Batman like yeah. retrospective like you know, collages on the internet or whatever you want to call them, charts, showing all the different Batman over the years. And it's a long list. Like the Bat yeah. costume has changed sure. a lot. The Green Lantern costume has changed a bit, but not as much, nowhere near as much as Batman has. Like Batman mm. is, yeah. Are you, are, but... Are you? St- but go back to Green Lantern when he his his ring was a magic. Yes, ring. I know. Yeah. But the Alan Scott's ring and, and and that Alan Scott's costume that's the one we're talking about. Alan much. Scott. Alan Scott had no, but one costume. It changed a lot between that and the Green and the Green Lantern today. That's true. Like it was it was red and yellow and all sorts of bizarre coloring yep. things. <laughs> Yeah, but yellow was a whole big thing back in the day, wasn't there? There was like, yeah, there's so many superheroes had a ton of yellow in it. And I think it's because they only had like a couple primary colors yep. to work yep. with. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's exactly it. There was a lot you couldn't because when you talk about superhero change, I still go with with Superman, and it seems silly, but I have seen so many retrospectives. No, if the S is like this and drawn here, then it's this era, and then if you do the S like this, it's this, that's that, true. and the other, and. It's crazy, but yeah, it's true. Yep, that's true. Superman has had many variations as well. Mostly, it's mostly different sizes of the S on his chest, or the symbol mm-hmm. and everything. But you're right; that's true. So again, this goes back to death. We don't like to see death. We like to see it change. Now, there's yeah. a couple of superheroes that have died and never coming back, but Let they the, tend to be minor characters. There are. Like, yeah, Captain Marvel Captain died Mar- from cancer in the '70s. Yeah, but he's come back recently no really marvell yeah yeah i think yeah, they, they did, did bring him back actually yeah yeah he was supposed to be the well, one guy they kept recent. dead and they didn't <laughs> and i i was really upset that they brought back bucky like, yeah i like the winter soldier story and everything but it was like oh my god don't you realize that bucky being dead is half of what drives captain america yeah mm. 
they, right? Bringing him back is 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 really a, a, a bad knock on the Captain America story. Yeah, itself. So mm, I can see that. Um, yeah. Well, actually, it's the opposite though. I'd say we don't like to see the characters change. I mean, look at the. We just talked about that. The amount of nerd rage to have some other actor play the character, because if we do see the characters change, that reminds us that the world is changing around us. You know that we're and no we're longer. Old. Hmm? And we're getting old. And we're getting old. And yeah. we're getting closer to death to, re- to go back around to what we were talking about before. <laughs> I think that a lot, a lot of like the way we react to like celebrity deaths, especially geek deaths, has to do with the fact that it reminds us that we're getting old. You know, it reminds <laughs> us that we that the world is is passing us by too. Hmm. It it strikes me strange that people are so easy going when it comes to changing over Spider Man. Mm-hmm. Because he's changed three times in the movies. Yeah, right. We're on you, you know third what I mean? one, yeah. And I was I was more angry about the fact that Andrew Garfield was going to get another attempt because I thought he's like Andrew Garfield looks exactly like uh, like Todd McFarlane drew him. Mm-hmm. Right, <laughs> right. You know, he's he's the Peter Parker that top. And this new like I have students in my class love the new Peter Parker, and I went, he doesn't look like Peter. Yeah, Parker. he does. Mm-hmm. I disagree. I actually think that. I think that Tobey Maguire was a great Peter Parker, but he wasn't a very good Spider-Man. I think that Andrew Garfield right. was a good Spider-Man, but he wasn't the greatest Peter Parker. And I think the new guy actually balances both out pretty well. So mm. I, I'd have to say, I'm sorry, I don't agree on that one. Mind you, I haven't seen a uh, how, full How do you episode. figure that? I, he doesn't, I was going to say, he doesn't look anything like the Peters that are drawn. I mean, he has. I think his character is good. I think he. I think he does a really good uh, Spider-Man impression. I think he does a really good acting job. But when it comes to the physicality, I don't see the new guy looking anything like Peter Parker. Well, yes, but Peter yeah, I mean, Parker in the comics is very stiff, and he's supposed to be a very. Yeah, you're right. I, I see your point, but mm. except for maybe Tobey Maguire's version of Peter, I don't think we we have seen a Peter. Like I said, Tobey was probably the best Peter. He was just like the Peter from the comics. Very awkward. He was very a little weird. too built. He was a little. He was a little too strong, like too too uh, broad. Uh, he, they worked him out too much. I I honestly think Andrew Garfield looked the best, but again, mm-hmm. he looked like a '90s. He looked like the '90s Peter Parker. Okay, fair enough. But he he looked just like just like when I was reading the Todd McFarlane version of, of Peter Parker with the whole gossamer webs and everything. I was like. Jesus, like he literally looked like somebody. Somebody was looking at a Todd McFarlane car, uh, comic and 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 cast by that look. That's what I got mm. from that. Okay, um, but that was so. I would say he looks the closest, um, or or this or the seventies Peter Parker. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> hey, Nicholas Hammond did actually. No, well, okay, the okay, I can't, can't defend Nicholas. Hammond. He was he was too. I mean, he looked he looked decent, but he was way too old to be Peter Parker. Mm. Yes, right. Yeah. He was probably in his thirties. Yeah, he was definitely he was, he was definitely in his thirties or that. Did you? And his crawling up the wall looked awful. Yeah, actually, did you know? That... And and his eyes and his costume looked well, worse. Well, they had right? no budget. I mean, that's that that's yeah. that makes a Japanese show from the seventies look high tech. I mean, it really did. It was it was pretty awful. <laughs> How about the Italian Spider-Man videos? Have you seen those? No, oh, I have not. Where he's the villain. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's it's hilarious. <laughs> Turkish, yes, it that's is. Turkish Spider-Man. Who is villain, oh. Yeah. oh, Turkish, Turkish Spider-Man. Spider-Man there you is go. The villain. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, you were going to no, say. No, I was Rob. actually going to say here's Nicholas Hammond, the guy who plays Spider, is actually one of the kids from The Sound of Music. Wow. You're kidding? No, look, he's actually actually no, he's not the kid. He's like the girl. He's the daughter's boyfriend in The Sound of Music. The one who like turns traitor on them is Nicholas Hammond. Yeah. 
Oh, go look it up. You are sixteen, going yeah. on yeah. seventeen. I that guy. Him, yeah. Wow. <laughs> and Spider Man was his punishment. Because <laughs> I remember reading that somewhere. Now I have to double check. Wow. But uh, yeah, I remember. Yep, it says yeah he was Friedrich. Oh no, he was Friedrich von Trapp. He was one he of the, was von one of the boys. Okay, he wasn't that. Okay. Yeah, he was one of the boys. He was Friedrich. Right, he was Friedrich. Oh. Okay, yeah, Friedrich von Trapp. There we go. He was one of the von Trapp kids. I had right the first time. Yeah. So he's sixty six now. You know. Wow. wow. Yeah. Well, the sound but, of music was uh, made I will in the like fifties. Well, early sixties. Yeah. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Early sixties because he was born in fifty. But to me. The, the voice of Peter Parker will always be like the Peter Parker uh, animation that we grew oh, up yeah. with. The Spider-Man yep. animation the show. The 60s one? That yeah. guy had a really good Peter Parker. Yeah. And the guy who played J. Jonah Jameson had the greatest <laughs> J. Jonah Jameson voice. Parker! Yeah. You know, just like this. He, yeah. he played all kind of animated and old-time radio stuff, too. You can hear his voice in everything, right? That, <laughs> that kind of harsh sort of... That was, that was awesome. Weren't they Canadian actors? Because that, that show was done in Toronto. Yep, along with Rocket Robin Hood, yep. which I want to see a remake, oh, live action very, remake very of Robin Ro- Rocket Robin Hood. <laughs> oh, don't you? I, that's the problem. Don't, is, don't worry, I'm sure Netflix has already picked it up. <laughs> well, that's the problem is is that nobody remembers it but Canadians, right? right. Because it, unless you were living on the border between Canada and the United States and you saw it being sent in, very few people. If I say to my American friends, "How about Rocket Robin Hood?" They're like, "What are you talking yeah, about?" What? I said, "I can still sing that theme song, you know? <laughs> <laughs> along with the Hercules theme song." Hercules. Oh God, right? yeah, that's yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, I remember that it's still in my head too. We're, we're drifting. We're drifting. Okay, yeah, we're way drifting. We're gonna edit some of this. Right. All right. So, but I maybe you know maybe it's that maybe there's just not a lot more to say about this topic. I mean, I, the only other thing I was gonna say is that I was gonna say that maybe this is uh, here's a weird thing. Maybe that the way the fact that so much uh, science fiction and fantasy tends to be oddly um, atheistic is actually a mm-hmm. side effect of the fact that. They're trying to avoid dealing with death. Huh? Is that the many of the science fiction? No, maybe it's also the people that tend to write it and such. But if you think about it, I mean, by avoiding the whole idea of religion and that, you're also avoiding death as well, and you're not having to. You're not. You don't have to think about it. Okay, I would say not. science Never fiction mind. is indeed atheistic, but sci- mm-hmm. But fant- I would say it is, but fantasy is not. And 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 Star Wars is space fantasy, and the yeah. Force is absolutely about faith and belief and spirituality. Because you got spirits on the other side looking down on people, right? And if you take a look at things like even um, uh, what was it, uh, um, Time Bandits, right? Uh, you've you've got <clears throat> you know the devil mm-hmm. right there, mm-hmm. and you've got God, and you've got oh, so fantasy, once yeah. you get into okay, those, fantasy yeah. has a, has a whole lot more to do with. You know that, but if you're talking about science fiction, that's I think that's that's the cold starkness of of things like Star Trek, Death in Star mm-hmm. Trek, right? Uh, you have to come up with a technological reason for them to come back, yep. or or people just won't believe it. You're not going to see a ghost of Spock sort of sitting there uh, over somebody's shoulder. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's just not going to happen in Star Trek. Unless he's been anyway. shifted into another dimension, he didn't really die. The transporter just fucked yeah. him up. <laughs> yeah. But it's it's interesting how they do. There is like even 
And, and what I'm thinking of is uh, Bill and Ted, which is another movie coming out. We're going to see another Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure movie coming out. Huh. But Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. Uh, remember, remember they were playing. Uh, they were playing against death to try yeah. to get their yeah, lives yeah. back. I yeah. remember that. Yeah, that's so, true. They're what were they? What were they playing? They were playing uh, Twister at one um, point. They were playing Twister at one yeah. point, but I was, I was, you sank my battleship. Yeah. They were playing Battleship at one point. Right? <laughs> I love that scene. <laughs> John Bell did a great thing with that too. Yeah. You ever listen to Bells and the Bat Free? He he uh, had a. <laughs> He had a thing with 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 the devil where he was trying to he's over his soul uh-huh. and he decided he was going to play tic tac toe <laughs> and because and because it it came out you know most times you play tic tac toe it's 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 a cat's game uh-huh. right the, because it was a cat's game the cat owned his soul so his cat his cat had his soul for like half a season after that the devil was stymied from that. It's a cat's game, so the cat gets the soul then. Ah, you know, okay. very funny stuff. But, but you know what's interesting? Hmm. I think what happens um, with sci- science fiction tends to come from the realm of rationality, mm-hmm. and I think that's why it, it skews more atheist, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking maybe fantasy mm-hmm. is the rationalist version of religion because it's never quite religion because of the idea that in fantasy faith is easy to come by because the gods themselves will show up and kick the shit out of your town like yeah yes so it has that religiosity to it but it's not true religion because there's a tangible it it's the the mystic enters the realm of the rational Mm. It's 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 and this is my big thing where I try to explain to people who who go on about that. I mean, uh, science fiction is modern storytelling in that respect, mm-hmm. and fantasy is mythic tales, mm-hmm. right? It's just mythic tales told by modern storytellers. Yep, but you know, even if even Superman, you know, I it was Frank Miller who said there are three gods in 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 the hero universe, and they are Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman, and everybody else is a demigod, mm-hmm. right? Because because he 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 looked at superheroes as a fantasy mythic series of tales, no different than the Greek stories of Hercules and the and the Argonauts and all those kind of things. Right. And I think he was on to something because we will stretch those tales into mythic proportions right um so well science fiction gets heroic it doesn't really enter mythic in the same way right mm. okay well, i could yeah. see that hmm. and mythic stories never really die right right it's the whole it's the same thing with you know how many different versions of king arthur can there be I remember my my university prof said to me that uh, Camelot was born on music. It changes with the singer. Huh. So there's just, you know, you've got like 2,000 years or not even quite, but almost 2,000 years of, of King Arthur stories. They go back into the early like 150 A.D., mm-hmm. And uh, they're all told by different people in different places. I always argue that you know King Arthur was the early version of Star Trek because everybody took it and they took their favorite characters and they created new characters and they said, "Oh yeah, um, my my hero, uh, this guy named Lancelot, he was so good. Really, how good was he? Um, he was the best knight in King Arthur's court, Ooh. <laughs> and he was his best friend." Oh, 
cool, cool, right? And so somebody else's, you know, hero was like, well, you know, uh, well, how good is your knight? Oh, Gawain? Um, he was like one of Arthur's best friends and he was like the best English knight. Right. Oh, <laughs> right. So, and that's how they, that's how they got legitimacy right. in the stories of these, what they used to call like heroic romantic tales. Right. They, they weren't originally connected to, to King Arthur, oh, okay. but they became connected by being able to do that. Yeah. Cretchen de Troy, he was writing his own stories about Lancelot and he got Lancelot cred, street cred, by making him part of Arthur's, you know, uh, group. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. he, he was never in the original. He was never in the original. So tales. all these characters are actually fan fiction characters. Exactly. Hmm. Absolutely. Uh, Sir Gawain. Um, oh, I'm trying to think of the German knight too. Which is very famous oh. as well. Oh, per- Percival. Percival. Um, no, no, no. No, um, no Percival. Parcival. No, I'm not. The, it, it's not Percival. It's um. It's uh, jeez, jeez, uh, uh, I, and oh, Tristan. They did a Tristan. they did a movie. Uh, no, no, no. It, Christian and Isolde. It's yes, yeah, it's, it's somebody else. It's uh, I forget. Anyway, mm. um, he's he's considered to be like he's considered to be like the second greatest knight, only to be over you know taken over by Lancelot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so then then they said, oh well, who's better than Lancelot? Well, his son. His son was the perfect knight, right? That was Tristan, right? Mm. Oh, it's, it's, it is Tristan. Tristan and Isolde. Yeah, Tristan That's and right. Isolde, yeah. So Tristan, yeah, uh, no, so it wasn't, no, it was Galahad was his Galahad son. Was Galahad his son. was his oh, son. Oh, okay. So Tristan was, the, Tristan was the German knight and who had his own stories. And again, Tristan and Isolde, originally the story wasn't connected to to uh, to King Arthur and it got connected. He wrote it, rewrote it into a, like a connection to a King Arthur story for that reason. Huh. So, mm. um. So yeah, maybe the the key to longevity is is connecting yourself to these these tales, mm-hmm. these tales that people want to uh, keep forever. Like I mean, Carrie Fisher has a certain sense of immortality, yes. mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And and so maybe maybe that's the thing is like people want more of these stories. I don't know if we're going to see more of you know computer animated Carrie Fisher. Mm-hmm. Um, but but regardless, even if we do, it will be Carrie Fisher in people's minds mm-hmm. that they'll always remind them of. Even if it's somebody who's never seen Carrie Fisher before in the original Star Wars, now they have new memories of this immortal Carrie Fisher. Mm-hmm. Right. That's true. Weird. Yeah. So death doesn't ever exist anymore huh. in the geek and the geek and nerd universe. Because Weird. we will all be recorded in some way, especially in the um, internet age. Everything we're doing is huh. ultimately being archived to one degree or another, so everyone who at least writes themselves into existence on the internet um, or yep. cre- creates themselves into existence, because that's the only way you get on the net is if you create yourself, basically, uh, contribute to the mm-hmm. internet, etc., right. um, will always exist. Like a part of us, yeah. There, and, there's a new and, sense, the internet creates a new form of immortality by being part of the collective memory of humanity. Weird. So then, here's the how weird would this become if we become what Kurzweil wants us to be, which is you know become one with the machine? Does that mean we all enter the Star Star Wars universe? Huh. We no longer have our bodies. We're all puppets now. We're all we're now all people fighting. The big, the big fight against the, Gal- the, the Galactic Empire, or we're, we're part of it. 
<laughs> in one way or another. Because I was imagining when I imagined this back in the 80s, I thought, oh, what they're going to do is they're just going to look at people's old films, old actors in their films, scan every movement that they have. And then from all the different movements that they are filmed on, their actual movements that they're filmed and tracked on, they can get realistic motions mm -hmm. coming from that. And the computer will be able to have like probabilities of, well, maybe he hasn't sat this way before, but he did it the other way. So it's easy enough for us to, you know, rechange it. And they'll look like they are the same. And now with new computer technology coming out with like 3D technology coming out from Windows and stuff like mm -hmm. that. Those people are going to be becoming more realistic, huh. more lifelike, not less. Right. Wow. Yeah, okay. that that gets that gets creepy because what if what happens in the future mm -hmm. is they have systems that scan the whole internet and can reconstruct anybody, at, at least personality-wise, say by making an aggregate of everything you ever did online. They could already do <laughs> a version of that where what they can do is now it, they can. Jack's experienced this as well, where they can take samples of people's writing and tell tell you who wrote it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, based because everyone's got their own yeah. little ticks in the way they write and everything, and they can give a pretty good chance of proving who wrote what. Right, just by having a decent sample I of your writing. So in a way, that's not all that impossible. Mm -hmm. How about this? How about the NSA makes a deal? to help fund it with corporations and the entertainment industry. And they start taking, feeding all the information that they've collected on us mm -hmm. to create realistic background characters. They could do that. They, that's basically what target marketing is. Absolutely. Of course, <laughs> the really creepy thing is in 200 years, historians will look back at that and say things like, and back in the 21st century, a common greeting when meeting someone for the first time is the phrase, no, you're gay. So. <laughs> <laughs> this, we're starting to enter the matrix. Yeah. Because what we're talking about is in the future is like, you could imagine that, you know, a Trump uh, future or whatever could you could get to a point where you know you're already implanted with like all the great computer stuff because you want to be surfing the net and the whole bit, and they start sending you what they think you would really appreciate are... as your nature of reality. Mm -hmm. So I go to my do my work, but actually I think I'm actually you know putting together robots uh, from the Star Wars universe, mm. and maybe I'm just cutting off lids off of a can right. or something, you know, like, wow. <laughs> you know, so suddenly the nature of what we actually re recognize as what's real and what's not real becomes part of our everyday and edutainment. Wow. Yeah. That's actually very likely. That's one of the things that augmented reality is going to do. It's going to allow us to overlay reality with different versions of reality, with different perceptions of reality. So you could, you know, you could look at your dog and instead, and your dog might be this, you know, cute little beagle, but instead you'll see this mighty, you know, wolf or something like that. <laughs> um, you could, yeah, you can see people and you could see the world the way you want to see it. It will still be yeah. there, but whatever will be, you know, whatever you want to see will be overlaid. So if you want to say, have every woman look like Marilyn Monroe, suddenly every <coughs> woman around you now looks like Marilyn Monroe. That's, that's what you'll see. And the world will be gamified in Crazy. different ways. It'll, it'll be lots of fun. <laughs> sort of now I'm sad and yeah. scared <laughs> yeah are you putting fun in quotation marks here because fun fun yeah that kind of it kind of is worrisome when you think about how like um how how right now I just saw this video and I, I pointed you to mm -hmm. it 
uh, and I can find the YouTube version for you to see, uh, Don, later on, mm-hmm. where this guy it, it describes the problems that millennials are having right now. And the, the, the problem is because they're constantly connected. And one of the things he points out is like just having your cell phone in, for example, in a meeting. Because right now people are looking at their cell phone and texting before a meeting starts and then go, oh, we're starting the meeting and turning it off. Mm-hmm. By that little constant reminder, that's how we interact now. We're not creating any kind of deep relationships. Yeah. And he says millennials are finding themselves as unable to have long-term deep relationships with people because they're not practicing those things. Whereas before it used to be you're sitting around waiting for the meeting starts like, oh, John, how's your dad? He goes, oh, thanks for asking because, you know, he had that heart attack last summer. He's doing much better now. Oh, that's good. He goes, you know, John, did you get that one thing out that you're supposed to get on that survey? No, I forgot to do that. Do you need help with that? Oh, man, that would be great if you could. Those kind of conversations that actually build relationships are kind of gone. They're gone, right? So because they don't have those kinds of things, you know, millennials have this sort of this understanding that they want to make a change in the world. They want to make an impact, Mm -hmm. right? Right. But they don't know how to do it. They don't know how any. They don't have any skills <coughs> on how to connect to it, and they want it instantaneously. Yeah. So a lot of millennials are, are getting a job, and then they're quitting within a year because they're like, "Well, I wasn't vice president by the end of the year, right?" So, <laughs> right. <laughs> and so they're finding <clears throat> they're not recognizing that <clears throat> all the stuff is iterative. And now, now if we're talking that this is what our reality is going to be, that's going to make it even worse, right? Yeah. Because then, then there's no reason for that. I can have a perfectly good conversation with a stone, which I think is Princess Leia. You know? <laughs> That's true. Because it's over, it's overlaid a stone in, in uh, you know, a little, a little, uh, a bust, you know, a bust of William Shakespeare. Just to go back to the Batman movie, right? Uh, the Batman television show. A bust of William Shakespeare has been overlaid with a, a you know, a, a talkative Marilyn Monroe. Why the hell do I need to have a conversation with somebody who I might disagree with or might fight with me about something or tell me I can't use my video game or yeah. whatever? Yeah. You know, yeah. and, and and now we're in real danger zone of like, well, we just stop communicating altogether. We're just like little mice locked away in our little apartments waiting for our BMI checks. That was a Futurama episode. Yep. Oh, yeah. With the uh, robosexuals. Yeah, yeah. It was Lucy Liu. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Lucy Liu is that. And that's the thing. But that's that's even having a physical thing like a robot. Yeah. We're talking having a hologram that doesn't have to even be physical. Yeah, right? yeah that's true. Well, but no, but the people still were going to want that, you know, physical sensations and everything. And so... Well, no, no, no. Let's, let's take it. I'm going to push back on mm-hmm. that. How much physical sensations do the Japanese kids do who are who are opting out of having relationships right now? They're fine with porn. Mm. Yes, but the Japanese are also the number one creators in the world of sex toys. They want, yeah, they, yeah, they, want they want actually you want to see the most horrifying thing. There are videos kicking around out there, you can see. <laughs> um, you might know what I think, where they've got the virtual reality like uh, you're, you're having sex in virtual reality, but so they they've got this kind of like pieces of a mannequin. Like so, you've got so like you've got this oh. torso that's got a skirt on it and everything. You put clothes on it and everything like that, so you can actually reach out and feel that you've got you know this girl that you're you know having this anime character you're having sex with. So you can actually kind of feel her in reality, and but it's really this torso wow. wearing like parts of a, parts of clothing and stuff like that. It's really creepy. It's incredibly hmm. creepy. This is from like a Japanese t- sex toy show that I've seen this. And it's just like, okay. Crazy. So, no, people still want, people, you know, still want that, you know, sensation of physical touch. 
Now, if you can give them right. that, a fake version of that, oh, they're happy and they're done. And, mm-hmm. you know, there might be a reason, actually, if you think about it, in Brave New World, why everyone's a clone. Because they basically, if you think about it, it makes perfect sense. Everyone's too busy having, you know, these superfluous relationships that don't produce any children. So that's why everyone has to be cloned. Yep. Otherwise, the species would die. Right. That's right. Huh. Brave New World is my, my I think we're much closer to, well, although who knows with Donald, but um, <laughs> I think we're much closer to Brave New World than we are to 1984. Right. I think there's we're a mixture of both, but Brave New World scares me so much because 1984 is in your face. You can see it coming. Right. Brave New World, you accept it because, like, it's one is one is like controlling you through pain, 1984, and the other one's controlling you through pleasure, and that's Brave New World. Yeah, that's why it will win. And and it's, yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it is, but that's the future we're headed for. No wonder so many celebrities are dying. They're trying to get out while there's still time. <laughs> that's what a lot of people are saying, right? You know, they're trying to get out before it changes. But like, I'm, I'm, I like to push back on that when people go, well, we have to have automation. That's where we're going and stuff like that. It's like, I got to push back on that and say, look, we, we should be the masters of our own future. Mm-hmm. Isn't that the whole point of being a species? Mm-hmm. Is that we are the ones that make the decision as to where we want to go. We sit there and we say, for example, you know what? This science is not something we want to do. So we're not going to have we're not going to have people on the street creating bacterial warfare. Right. right? You know, <laughs> we decided that that's going to be because there's going to be people that are trying to do it. We're going to arrest them for it and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. So we as a society have to sit there and say, you know what? Just because you know, like right now, the the government, Obama's government, just came out and said, oh, by the way. All those jobs that you guys have driving cars, those will be gone soon. Yeah. So, you know, just get ready for that. You know what? Maybe not. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's something that we don't want to go down that road for. I'm always reminded of, like, Star Trek, uh, the ultimate computer mm-hmm. and Captain Dunsell, mm-hmm. right? You know, there's there's a point where if we as human beings want to feel like we actually matter, we have to have something meaningful for us to do. Right. And if you're going to remove all the aspects of work, nobody wants to do backbreaking work. Fair enough. I, I agree with you 100%. Mm-hmm. But if you remove all work from people... We're going to see mass levels of depression. Mm-hmm. We're going to see mass levels of people doing violence, mass levels of people breaking the, because they're bored and they feel like they have nothing to live for. Yep. People need to feel valuable. Yeah, that's true. So I, I, get, I get freaked out when people start talking about BMI. Mm-hmm. I get freaked out when people start talking about, you know, no more jobs, mm-hmm. no more things to do. I'm, I'm great with if we want to transition away from a capitalist society and move to something like the Venus Project. I don't know if you guys have ever looked at that website. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Very Star Trek-ish. Mm-hmm. They sort of sit there and say the Venus Project is like you live in a community. You all work towards the betterment of mankind or, or the environment or something in some way. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're coming up. You're working on developing new technology, new science, and you all get the benefits <coughs> of whatever we develop, right? So if we start developing new computers, we can roll them out to anybody you want. It's not a matter of how much money you make and stuff like that. You base everything on innovation, mm-hmm. creation development that kind of thing i can see us doing but if we're going to continue with this desperate <coughs> run through capitalism which is you know it did it, it had its good run mm-hmm. but right now it's going to destroy us 
once we ramp up everything to a point where we can mass produce ourselves into a grave and, and a destroyed environment, right. BMI is not going to save us. It's, it's, it's going to be a danger for us. Because the idea of BMI, and I'm, for that, that's basic minimum income. I was going to say you uh, The original, mm-hmm. yeah, the basic minimum income that we used to have in the 70s that they tried was designed to get people out of using basic minimum income and get into a good job. Right. So, the, but people don't seem to understand. It's like, wow, that'll be great. Everybody will have basic minimum income. We, you can stay home and do whatever you want. And the whole bit is like, yeah, how is that paid for? Think about this. <laughs> it's paid for by taxes. So then nobody's paying into the taxes. Oh, we'll get it from corporations. Really? Because those corporations are the ones that now have all, the, have all the power because we're no longer operating in such a way. We're depending upon specifically what either the government or what it gives us. Mm-hmm. So if the government can't afford to it, then they're going to start outsourcing all that stuff to corporations. Yeah. So now suddenly – and they're going to start bundling all those things. So not so we'll no longer have social insurance. Mm-hmm. We'll no longer have public-run health care because they can't afford mm-hmm. it. We'll no longer have roads and all those things. You will be paying a little bit to this company, a little bit to that company and that. And so all the basic minimum income that you come out will go right back into the system and enrich the, the corporations. And then you're going to have the government come back and say, yeah, we really don't need to give you this much anymore. Mm-hmm. We really don't need to give you this much anymore. And you've just enslaved the entire human race into feudalism 2.0. Hence cyberpunk. Welcome to cyberpunk. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So, and, and, and so, uh, you know, there we, we went, we went to a really positive place about, you know, nothing dies and stuff like that to the death of civilization. Mm-hmm. That's yep, good. Exactly. Death is, <laughs> death is all around us. Death is all around us. And that's why we immerse ourselves in popular culture as a way to escape it. Well, that's a good point. Exactly. Hmm. I mean, st- I always say that story is more important than gravity. Story is the most important aspect in 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 our understanding of the universe because mm-hmm. we 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 relate to everything through story. Right. Right. How do we, you know, how, how do we, how do we learn anything? It's through some form of story. It may not be a formally done story in one way or another, but as a beginning and a middle and an mm-hmm. end. So story is indeed what runs the universe mm-hmm. in so many different ways. And so story itself is immortal in that way. Story can be refocused, rechanged, retooled, remade, uh, repurposed, but it still remains to be the one way that we learn, the one way we perceive the universe. Even if you're an atheist, you're still telling yourself a That's story yeah. of, how, of, of how the universe operates. Mm-hmm. So, okay, so in the end, we will all become part of the great story. Right. Uh, well, that's, that's very Buddhist. All right, so on that note, thank you very much, Jack, for dropping by and uh, helping us puzzle through the uh, mysteries of death and the nerdly arts. Um, yeah. Any final thoughts, Don, before we go? Yeah, actually, I do have one. Okay. Because uh, if you want to talk about uh, nerdly deaths in night in uh, 2016 mm-hmm. <clears throat> oh, i'm getting choked up uh there's one important one uh that we didn't get to oh which one randy oh randy Cartier. right well that's something that most of our listeners wouldn't be familiar with but you're right we should probably mention randy uh randy's passing so why don't you do yeah. the honors uh, i'll give it a try uh because she was um uh, some people would know her. She's friends with Kevin Simbida at Palladium. 
and she did some the publishers of the TMNT role playing game, the Rifts role playing game, Palladium Fantasy, and various yep. other role playing games of the nineties. Yeah, and uh, she did some writing for them. People have probably seen her name. But uh, back when I was a kid and started gaming, her and Roger, her husband, um, they're old, old, like, pre-first-gen gamers. And they used to run the, the, they called it the Dragon's Den. It was like a gaming shop, and they used to do it in their house. Uh, When they started, it was, I remember it was their kitchen. Mm -hmm. You'd you'd call for an appointment, you'd show up, and she'd bring all the stuff out, all the, because this is when gaming first started. And it would all come out, she'd bring it out, set it up the kitchen table, and then they had a room, and then she eventually had a store. Right, I remember. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, because that was when you were down. That was, that was years after. Right. Yes. And um, yeah, for me, when I first started gaming, her and Roger were um, one of the, the the bigger influences because I got a chance to discuss stuff with them, and and again because they were right there from the beginning. They uh, mm-hmm. they brought a lot of. They made a point of bringing in stuff you'd never heard of in that. And um, I haven't seen either of them for years, but <clears throat> oh yeah, but um, hang on, Ooh, mm-hmm. there we go. Yeah, but uh, word came out, and I I saw about it on the uh, Palladium site actually that she had died back in uh, I believe it was May. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I just think maybe you should uh, mention that. That's kind of personal, but okay. Wow, she's she was with Roger for forty two years. It's yep, <laughs> she passed in her sixty third year. Yeah. Where did yep. you find wow. that, Jack? Did you find it? Does she have a Wikipedia entry? No, it's under Legacy.com Obituaries Windsor Star oh, wow. Obituary. And it says, It is with great sadness that we announce the sudden passing of Randy Carche. In her 63rd year, beloved wife for 42 years to Roger, dear sister of Keith Owen, Randy was known to most people as the owner of Dragon's Den, mm-hmm. writer, painter, and leather crafter, someone you would come for advice or a shoulder or you could cry if you needed to. To her many friends in the SCA and elsewhere, she was known for cooking. Yep. Randy <laughs> will be missed by all the people whose lives you have touched. There's a member in a service, and it was Canadian Cancer Society, so I think it was cancer. Mm-hmm. That, if I'm if I'm not incorrect, I believe it's cancer that that robbed us of her. Mm-hmm. So, hmm. that's I'm sorry for your loss. That's that's rough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it was kind of a kind of a surprise back in the day. So, I, yeah, I just thought maybe uh, we should say something. Okay, no, no, I appreciate that. There's someone else, and that that just shows that it's not always big celebrities that affect people. And um, yeah. change yeah. people's lives. I mean, we've all had people in our lives that have affected us one way or another, and those people are not always going to be there. So we should do our best to appreciate them while they're there. Yeah. So thanks to you two for both being part of the Department of Nerdly Affairs. And mm-hmm. uh, here's to 2017, which will hopefully be a very good year, <laughs> and not include any uh, significant deaths in any of our lives or mm. in the life. Thank you in so much. Of, uh, <laughs> in the lives of anyone else that, uh, yeah, has affected us or that is, has influenced us in various ways. Yeah. Um, Let's have many, many more Department of Nerdly Affairs before either one of you oh, pass away. Let's thank just you. Say thank you. Yeah, oh, oh, God, yes, I hope so. <laughs> I absolutely hope so. Um, I have the giant robot body ready in the basement to receive my soul upon that point. <laughs> there you <laughs> go. You my evil brain in the jar will be there too. <laughs> exactly. All right, gentlemen. Thanks so much for thanks so much for having me, yeah, guys. No, hmm. thanks for coming on again, Jack. It's been a while, and yeah. it's been too long. Yeah. Amen. Take care. Bye. Bye. Bye now. Thanks for listening to the show. 
If you'd like to hear more, or join the conversation, come visit us at ObeyTheDNA.com. You can also find us on iTunes, or whatever fine podcast site forgot to lock their back door. So until next time, remember that to master the nerdly arts takes time, practice, and enough Coca-Cola to drop a rhino. See ya!